Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on June the 19th, 2018. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, recouping after a long week. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played for something like three weeks now. (laughs) Sony faces a growing Fortnite backlash at and after E3. West Virginia tourist sites see massive traffic after Fallout 76 reveal. The WHO makes gaming disorder an official diagnosis. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rich. Hello. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Kind of uh, settled now in the new place. Hopefully my audio is a bit better uh, here since there's not as much uh, background noise to remove. Yeah, I mean, it sounds the same to me, but I haven't actually really played with the editing of it much. Although I guess all the E3 stuff was at your new place, and that was fine. I didn't have to do any, make any changes to that. So What, no, just muting me and I pretend that I don't exist? Nah, I would never do that. As far as I know. Actually, that's not true. Sometimes I do that, but also sometimes I mute myself. Like, whenever we will talk over each other, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll adjust it so that it sounds like one of us talked and the other one talked, or sometimes I will just mute one of us, depending on what we had to say in the moment. Like, it, it just varies. But I have muted you sometimes when I was talking, but I've also muted myself sometimes when you were talking, so... It's, yeah, I don't think fair. we're, um, yeah, well, I was about to say, I don't think we're as bad as we used to be. Then uh, immediately I started <laughs> to jump in whenever you uh, weren't quite done talking. Yeah, I mean, there's always a little bit of Skype lag, but it's not too bad. And with careful editing and syncing it up properly, 95% of the time, it's fine. And then like 4% of the time where we do wind up talking over each other, there's so little of it that I don't really bother with it. And it's only like 1% of the time that I have to make any adjustments. And on the plus side, it'll never be as bad as uh, that one time that we had a guest and his uh, connection was terrible. Yeah. Oh. He had what, like a three second delay at times? Yeah. And it kept cutting out too. That was fun. Yeah. I felt like an ass. (laughs) Yeah. And that's different from usual how? Okay. More so of an ass. (laughs) I figured you'd have like a comeback at me, which I totally would have deserved. But it's all right. Well, I've realized that that's why you're into me. You're an ass man. I am definitely an ass man. I mean, I like tits too. Don't get me wrong. But like if I have to have one or the other, I'm going for ass every time. Yeah, you're the principal from prison school. I'm I'm shaking my head vigorously, yes. I've sent you that before. I know I have. Yeah, you have. I'm shaking my head vigorously, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um So we have got quite a few games to cover this week. Uh we're gonna be alternating. We have it's another one of those weeks. You have five, I have six, and we never did say whether or not we were gonna talk about spin tires together. Uh, we could do that at the end. 
Okay, we will do that at the end then and just put it on our lists uh, later. But why don't you go ahead and you start and we will be alternating this week. Yeah, for most of mine, well, I have one week where I had literally nothing. So this is technically two weeks instead of three for me. Yeah. And most of mine are on the theme. I probably would have liked it better, but I didn't. And let's start off with Moonlighter. Oh, this is business management uh, dungeon roguelite. Think essentially race a tier. A little bit more refined, but kind of bland. So you are the owner uh, of the family shop called the Moonlighter. And in order to furnish your shop, you have to go down to the local dungeon, you know, like you do. Right. Kill things, get loot. And then teleport back. And as you progress through each of the five dungeons, uh, they open up in sequence and different items drop from different dungeons. And it's pretty much a sequence of the next dungeon is more expensive stuff, but also tougher. So you have to build up in the previous thing. Uh, my big problem with it is that there's nothing that really shakes it up. At least in the first five hours. Uh, this was the Sunday sampler for last week. And I realize saying a roguelite is a grind is like calling the sky blue. But a lot of games hide the grind by having things interesting happen. Uh, to throw Binding of Isaac for, or Edit, for example... You're able to find new weapons to change your play style or, you know, how you should be playing that particular run. And that variance on your power level keeps the thing interesting. In this, you have five weapons that are uh, all upgradable, but, uh, you only could take, well, you could take as many as you want out of the five, but you have exceptionally limited bag space and you can only equip two items at a time. So if you take more than two weapons or I should say two weapons, uh, a set of armor, a talisman and one stack of potions, you could all equip those all on your person. And then everything else is in either your essentially belt slot or in your backpack. But because there's no upgrades to the backpack whatsoever. It feels like you're really, really limiting yourself if you take the back, you know, stuff in your backpack to use along the way. So you can see, you know, kind of a problem here already. Yeah. And I gotta say, the weapons are uninteresting. You got your typical sword and board, your sword and shield, which has a secondary attack of being able to block. You have a spear that is essentially a long-range pokey stick, you know, pretty much all spear. But you could also do a charge attack where you kind of charge up and then run the enemies. Bow and arrow, which I never really built because it was a pain in the ass to build. And everything takes such so much money. I mean, even leaving the dungeon takes a particular amount of money depending on the floor you, you're on. That, you know, it's just so much of a grind. It just was very unsatisfying. Which really upset me because art-wise, this game is gorgeous for, uh, well, for pixel art. 
the overworld is a little bit oversaturated in my opinion, but it has some really nice animations, uh, a fair amount of enemy variety. The bosses are interesting, but you only fight them once to unlock the next dungeon, which kind of yeah defeats, uh, defeats the purpose of going down far enough to get to the boss level. It's just, there's so many odd things about this game design-wise. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this game on a couple of the podcasts that I listen to, and everyone seems to really like it, but get frustrated at some of the things that you're saying that you're getting frustrated at, like the inventory, um, uh, well, the, the business management being a little bit well, sort of, not tacked on, but more shallow than they need to be uh, for the type of game that this is. Yeah, pretty much uh, my assessment as well. Everything feels like it's a good base to build off of, but they released it and it's not an early access game. This is a full release. Uh, the business uh, management aspect is the same thing where Unlike Race of Tear, where you're t- kind of bartering back and forth, this is more of a set price, uh, you know, your typical shop. And the shopkeeping is fucking irritating. For one, you have to set your price, but you have no really indication of what the price should be for things. So you either set it high and just increment it down, or you, know, you set it too low, people buy it... Uh, at a huge discount and you lose money. And the thing is that everything costs so fucking much. The top tier weapons, for example, that all the uh, weapons and armor have essentially two upgrade paths. And once you make your initial choice, you're stuck on it. There's no crossover, which is also fucking irritating because if you hit a a particular floor that requires elemental resistance, which, uh, Certain uh, or certain weapons may uh, grant ex- extra elemental damage. Well, you're shit out of luck. You have to build from scratch. Uh, but the weapons each was seventy five hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, uh, three quarters of a billion, if I recall correctly. So to upgrade. Both your weapons is a, uh, a million and a half, and that's not even counting if you've uh, d- done other weapons. And that's a lot of money. <laughs> Granted, maybe the later dungeons uh, have that balanced out, but that's still just such an inflation. And some other things. Uh, some, uh, it falls into the typical roguelite problem of certain uh, areas feeling exceptionally unfair if you don't have the proper uh, loadout, but because you're not able to build your loadout on the fly like most other roguelites, you you go into a particular dungeon with your loadout, you may as well uh, say no because you're screwed. Uh, uh, The business aspect I didn't really go into, uh, uh, or too deeply because it's really shallow to begin with, but you set your prices, but you also have to watch out for thieves. And there's no real incentive outside of just getting your item back to catch them. Because whenever you catch a thief, the item goes back into inventory, not back to the slot that the thief stole it from. And if you're trying to get a perspective price on something, it makes it even more fucking irritating. Because you have to reset that again. Ah, There's just so many things, so many little things that keep me from really liking this game. 
and it's just very disappointing to me because on the surface this is a game that would have been yeah this would have been my jam to uh, for lack of a better term because I like my business management I like my uh, roguelites this is uh one of the hacky slashy uh you know Legend of Zelda esque uh, area of uh, roguelites but there's just so many design problems if if you've played deeper roguelites or deeper business management games, you're going to have a lot of problems. If you played Race of Tear, you're going to hate this because there's so many things from Race of Tear that are just not present in this. But you can see you know, progression in other places, particularly combat. Uh, maybe if they do a DLC to fix some problems, but right now, no. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of on the fence about it, so hearing you say that means, you know, I'm probably not going to get it. I'm definitely not putting it on my wish list. Trying to be better about that. I've got my wish list down (laughs) to just over 1,300 games. It's down from like 16 or 1,700, so I'm I'm getting Well, I'm sure you'll also put a dent into it this weekend. Yeah, I don't know how many games I'm going to buy, but I'm definitely going to try and be much more choosy than I have been. Like last year I spent something like 200, 100, somewhere between 150 and $200 on the steam sale, buying several games that were more expensive this year. I'm really going to dig through my wish list and try and find a few like really top tier or not necessarily top tier, but like games that really interest me a lot instead of just blowing everything on the first, you know, as many cheap games as I can get. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what I used to do when I didn't have any games in my library. I was like, oh, I'll spend $20 and get 20 games that are on sale for a dollar And all of them suck. And and many of them suck. But now I get so many free games all the time. I know, third world problems. I get so many free games to play. Uh, Wouldn't that be first word? Wouldn't uh, wouldn't third world problems be, oh, I'm I'm very hungry right now? Did I say third world? I meant first world. I meant first world. But yeah, first world uh, and problems. I realized that was very politically incorrect, but yeah, first world problems. I know I get too many free video games. Boo hoo hoo! But I mean, it just my you know my Steam library is clogged up, and I need to sort it again. I sorted it like six or eight months. Oh, look ago. at me! My uh, my Steam library is clogged up. I know another first world problem. So I'm I'm trying to I'm gonna try and buy some games that I think will really interest me, as opposed to just like. How many games can I buy with my Steam, the money in my Steam wallet? Well, mine's kind of a combination of, uh, I buy things that are interesting, but also cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and maximize the amount of money spent, but, you know, I'm not going to try and get, I don't know, 50 games for $100. Yeah, well, one other thing that uh, about Moonlighter before we uh, go on to your first game. Is that there's a couple times that also, even though the uh, the art is really good, it's kind of clogged. It's kind of, uh, everything gets lost in the mix. Particularly what you could see on the Steam store. Uh, the uh, areas, whatever, there's uh, goop on the ground. Because, okay, red goop. Uh, you could see it on the, uh, what is it, this... Uh, it's about the middle screenshot. Uh, just look for the one with a lot of red in it. It's the one next to the uh, alchemist. Okay. Uh, take a look at the slums. Uh, the slums really, really blend in. And it's very easy to take some additional hits. And thankfully, you know, this isn't 
as hardcore on its combat as Binding of Isaac, where, you know, you only get a few hits because you do have a stack of health potions that you take with you. And also on every dungeon uh, level, uh, going towards the exit, there's a healing uh, fountain that you could set in and uh, regain, if not all, a good chunk of your health. So maybe that's also part of the problem is that if the grind uh, is there for a more difficult game, but the difficulty isn't, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it does. Makes sense. I'm tracking. And, well, also the crafting mechanics are very lacking just in general. There's the ability to wishlist things to uh, just flag them. But the way it handles management on your inventory... If, let's say, I flag something that I need uh, for my next level of armor, all right? I'll flag my next level of armor uh, as a wishlist item. It'll flag everything that is required of it. Even if I have, you know, five or six times that, uh, the requirements, because one of them is a common drop. So it kind of cuts into the business aspect side of things where, Okay, I see I need this, but I don't know how much of this I need unless I'm taking notes. And sort of the same thing on the alchemist, but they, but there's an interesting thing on the alchemist where you're able to bring in an ingredient and uh, spend a little bit for each potion. But then there's the second uh, version of that where it's just a pure gold, but it's like five times as expensive, which is an interesting, uh, Side grade if you're, you know, wanting to get very big health potions, for example. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Excuse there me, is promise sorry. here, and if uh, you are not as deep into the genre, it's definitely uh, worth at least a look. I'm not sure about the $20 price tag, particularly because of how shallow it is, and some reports that it's a 10-ish hour game, which I could definitely see it being a very short game if you're rushing through it. And uh, but I was not exactly rushing through it. I was uh, more you know testing out different things and uh, hit a couple snags where you know I was hitting unfair floors, which also kind of cut into progression. Oh, and one other thing about the combat, I just I, I completely forgot about it until <laughs> I was sick. I, I, Another I, I, one other thing. Yeah, uh, I, it's a Steve Jobs one more thing, and I completely forgot about it because until I was sitting here looking at the gifts on. Or sorry, Jeff's Devolver <laughs> uh, uh, on the Steam Store page is there's one fucking irritating thing about the combat is that it's it doesn't flow very well in that every time you attack, you stop. And there's no real good of chaining or chaining your movement and your attacks. And for a game that has a lot of dodge mechanics and a lot of bullet hell-esque enemies, it could be fucking frustrating. Granted, they also counterbalance this with allowing you to chug health potions like crazy, like you're chugging cheese in Skyrim. But still, it's there's it, it, this feels like a game that was designed to be something else, but they changed the uh, design... Uh, focus about partway through and there's rudiments of a more action uh, dodge focused game something like entering the gungeon than uh, what they uh, ended up with any questions i don't think so 
I don't think that I'm going to buy this game, at least right now. I'm not wishing, wishlisting it, but I'm not going to mark it as not interested either. So, I'll just, maybe if I the hear something of about it. <laughs> maybe uh, if I hear something about it, you know, improvements, DLC, updates, whatever, I'll give it a second look. Because I did like Reseteer quite a lot. Um, yeah. But Granted, if this game uh, is... Uh, Reseteer, uh, it, does, it says I have a lot less hours in it than I actually do, but... But... Yeah, uh, this is no uh, updated Reseteer. Well, it is an updated Reseteer, but it's a downgrade. Yeah. So, get Reseteer instead. Too long to read. High praise right there for Reseteer. Alrighty, well, the first game on my list is a game which you talked about the the last time we had games we played. Yeah. uh, Which is Mercury Fallen. Um... So Mercury Fallen, in case you missed that episode or whatever, is a sort of uh, Hi- very hybrid light... rim wor- well, I was going to say hybrid rim world with uh, Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, yeah, a little more. I think it, it feels pretty light on the rim world. I mean, I haven't played rim world, but there's no combat. It doesn't feel like there's very much danger to anybody. Um, the the biggest danger that you have is starvation. Or people dying from repeated, like, wrist stress injuries from mining too much. But as soon as you start oh, growing... Oh, mining, okay. As soon as you start growing food, you don't have to worry about starving to death. And as soon as you get even one doctor station, you don't have to worry about people dying from injuries. So, um, and, and it takes a really long time. Like, I ran an experiment um, to see how long it would take someone to die from injuries starvation happens fairly quickly but you can only go a few days without food before your colonists die but it takes like months for a colonist to die from repeated injuries without treatment so you have to either get some pretty serious negative quirks um, which are like traits that your colonists can have which make them take injuries faster and not heal them at all like just avoid getting a, a medical station at all for colonists to die from from that but uh anyways i'm i'm kind of got a little sidetracked immediately so mercury fallen i really like this game um for what it is it's pretty perfect for what it is for my purposes uh i've been on a quest the last few weeks trying to find games that i can play at work um i have sporadic downtime throughout the day and so I'm looking for games that can either pretty much be constantly running in the background on my laptop and I just tab over to them when I have like a client no-show or I'm all caught up on my paperwork waiting for something else or a game that I can just pop up and play for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes at a time and then put it away. Uh, and Mercury Fallen runs pretty swell on my laptop. Um, it can't quite hit 60 and the more of the map that you explore, it, the frame rate slowly dips down towards 30 the farther that you go. But it runs fine when I'm tabbed out of it, um, uh, and doesn't seem to crash too often. Uh, I I haven't had it crash at all, actually. Uh, there are people that say have said that it it does crash occasionally, but I have not experienced that. And I do say make sure I save every so often so that if it does crash, I won't lose too much progress. But it's perfect for that. Basically. Um, you don't have direct control over your colonists. You can set up priorities for different actions they can take, like mining, uh, food prep, research, uh, etc., etc. Um, and then you just 
set up a bunch of things and then they will do them as they can based on materials available their levels like tiredness and hunger because if they get tired they sleep if they get hungry they eat etc um and then they do them and then if everything is done they'll take care of basic tasks like eating and sleeping and food prep and things like that um and producing resources at the like the smelter for uh metals and the organic processor for things like um organics well yeah organic stuff uh like plastics plastics is considered organic i'm not sure what plastics counts as in the real world i mean it's obviously not a metal so if you're only going to have two categories it fits more in organic than metal but it feels weird that plastics is yeah but you plastics and cloth and i, I, I should just call it the vacuum former <laughs> yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's like the basic building material for everything. It's like uh, some sort of resin. Actually, that might yeah. be what it's called, bioresin. Um, so your colonists will do that, and then I can just come back and like, oh, you finished everything. Okay, well, let me assign all of these tasks. And you have colonists, and you have robots. And the robots only require power, um, but they can't do as many tasks. They can basically only do the, the physical labor tasks, mining, building, uh, deconstructing and hauling uh, so materials. Far, uh, the further on you do get uh, better bots. Nope. My, my main, nope. Uh, the deep I, core I, miners, the only different one you get, which can I, I, dig I, I the, thought there was other ones. the ground. Nope. Uh, maybe there'll be more later because it is an early access game and so, That's part of the reason why I didn't do a Sunday sampler on that. That I'm and, pretty sure I got way farther than you did. Yeah. Uh, did you get the well, cloning vat? No, I didn't. I, I wasn't sure how you'd get new colonists, but I'm assuming you just clone them. Yep. You just you just you just make them. Uh, the Copy cloning, and paste. The cloning vat basically breaks the game. So there's the robot assembler and the cloning vat, and the robot assembler builds robots, obviously. Um, and the robots cost resources, uh, and researching the robotics tree gives you more points to customize or to like boost the robot skills, uh, so they can move faster, work faster, haul more, and they will level up their skills faster. But I mean, you can just build a basic robot with zero skill points. Um, and the more skill points you put into the robots, the more materials that they require. And at some point they start requiring the advanced materials that you have to make it in, uh, like the circuits and the gears that you can make in the uh, assembly lab. Uh, wait, 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 wait. If the robots don't require circuits before, what are what's in them? Uh, copper bars, iron bars, and steel bars. So it's just literally a crate of uh, different metal bars <laughs> scooting around. Basically, basically. Um, but yeah, like the basic robots only require those. And then the more skill points you put into them, the more advanced materials and construction time they require. And that all feels fine. Um, I think that it's a little unbalanced. Like once you get past like five skill points, it starts requiring the advanced materials. And those are pretty resource inefficient. Um, so it's difficult to be like, eh, do I want to invest this many points in a little worker robot? Um, I have five worker robots and three deep core miners and the deep core miners can literally only mine the ore tiles that are on the floor. That's their only job. They can't haul, they can't construct or deconstruct. They can just mine. I kind of like them, you know, uh, I would. Oh, look, your spirit animal. But they the don't do anything but bond. 
But the cloning bay basically breaks the game. Because all the cloning bay requires is power and water. And you can just keep... I mean, you can infinitely, like, clone colonists. I mean, eventually you'll overtax your food and water and sleeping facilities. uh, And you might break the game from having too many characters running around. But with no other resource investment, you can just be like, I need a couple more people to do research or engineering or whatever. So let me just, you know, clone a couple of those. And they take... Now, the question is... uh do your original colonists uh, uh, wear a shirt that says Control C? <laughs> no, they don't. But that would be hilarious. But I mean, like the cloning vat basically breaks the game when you get that far. So I, I had four colonists. You have a random chance to find stasis pods the more you explore out and mine out the the world, and you also have a random chance to find worker bots. I don't know if you have a chance to find deep core miners. I've never found one, but I haven't also completely explored the couple of maps that I've started. So they might be there like in the far reaches, but uh, yeah, the cloning, I mean the cloning bat just breaks the game. Cause basically it's just like three or four in game days to grow a new person. Um, and then they can do everything with no, they grow up so fast with no other resource investment other than making sure you're able to feed them. But by the time you've got the cloning vat, you also have researched basically all of the food production lines and you have, a near infinite food supply uh, just because you have, you're growing so many space potatoes and then space fish and turning those space fish into space sushi. What not uh, space fish sticks? Uh, that, yeah, you can, that's first space fish and fish and chips. Um, uh, then space sushi. Uh, so we're not going, uh, uh, the doctor and, uh, having custard with it. <laughs> no, there's no custard. Uh, you can make space hamburgers later once you grow space bread. Um, wait, wait, you, where's the meat? You can make space sandwiches. I don't know. It's a space hamburger, but you only grow fish or or cultivate fish. And I'm not sure where they get the first fish from. It's just like you build a fish tank and it's like, I have fish. I'm going to grow fish. Video game logic, I guess. Ding. Fish yeah, I, it sounds like I would have had a lot of other problems with this game if I stuck with it. My my major problems was that it fell a bit shallow already, and that it forces you down at least initially a very set path, which I really don't like. Yeah, I, I, to actively play this game, it would be boring at best. This is for- the, yeah, and that was also something else, uh, probably. Uh, adding to the whole uh you know this game feels very shallow <laughs> yeah but for my purposes as a background game where you just i just set up a ton of actions and then let it run for a while and check on it every once in a while it's great and i've looked at the future development of the game they're looking at adding like act planet exploration and sending your colonists on missions to the surface you have an elevator that goes to the surface that you can't actually use like you just click yeah. on it and it says currently in development um this game looks like it has a lot of potential it looks like there's a lot of area for improvement, and it's still receiving regular updates. The last uh, developer blog was on June 12th, so a week ago. Um, and the most recent update to the game was two weeks before that. And this it's just one guy doing the whole development. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to look at it uh, once it gets further into early access. but Or look at it again, I should say. I can't promise I'm going to do a video on it, but... Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a bad game. It's just, for my purposes, it wasn't good. For yours, it is. Yeah. So if, if you want a, a game that's essentially a plant, <laughs> and not a Factorio-style plant, I mean, something that you tend to every so often, water it a little bit. 
uh, yeah. copy and paste some colonists. If you want an idle game that's a little more involved than your typical idle game, this is really good for that right now. But if you're looking for something that's a lot more involved and active, after the first, I don't know, 30 minutes or so of gameplay, you get enough stuff going on that you can basically just set it and forget it for a while. So, yeah, until they add a lot more content or, you know, future updates, like add improvements or whatever, um, it, it's definitely more of a background on the side type of thing as opposed to a main game. But I still enjoyed it, and I'm a sucker for anything sci-fi themed. Um, and I like Dungeon Keeper, so, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, it's Dungeon Keeper light. There's, you know, there's a, no combat, at least right now, and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I like that whole system of mining and creating rooms. And um, thankfully, this doesn't force you to create, like, a single room for everything. You can make rooms for multiple stuff. You just have to use the appropriate floor tiles for the things. So I'll usually make, like, dual-purpose rooms and just put a hallway tile down the middle to separate them. And it, it looks pretty good, too. I like it. But, yeah, that's my first game, Mercury Fallen. So okay, a game so, we have both played now. Yeah. Uh, on to my second game, The Watchmaker. Once again, entry into the... I probably would have liked it better, but... And for this one, there's a few problems with it. For one... It is a very interesting looking game. This is a very steampunk aesthetic. You are a, well, watchmaker who is in this giant clockwork tower and things happen. I didn't get that far into the game and I'll go into that in a little bit. And this is third person, uh, puzzle platformer. And it, it's very unresponsive on its controls, which made it unspeakably frustrating it has this mechanic in it where as your uh, watchmaker alexander i believe his name is uh progresses uh, through the level he's re- aging rapidly until he hits a checkpoint which essentially resets his uh uh age at about t- i think it's 20 or 30 but that's just essentially a glorified timer so you're ha- uh, being forced to rush through but there's a lot of timing puzzles the controls are very unresponsive. Uh, he has a, a, a... He jumps about as well as I do. <laughs> and there's some very frustrating puzzle mechanics because it's uh, at least some of them require taking things from earlier in the level and bringing them through a area. But everything is so busy because there's so much movement that they're, you know, they, they don't really catch the eye. And then it's not exactly a bug-free game. Let's put it this way. Um, a lot of the uh, platforms, at least early on, are these giant gears that mesh together and they uh, rotate around and uh, do all sorts of watch uh, clock things, you know? Right. And more than once, I fell through the meshing of the gears because it didn't quite go through uh, uh, connect correctly. Or, you know, there was just enough of a gap for him to fall through, which was irritating. Uh, the game, uh, since this is a third person, uh, puzzle platformer, there's, uh, different things to collect, you know, like you do. And I actually had the game bug out where it w- I was stuck on a menu and I had to actually alt F4 <laughs> because it well, would bring up the menu and then just hang. 
and I could hear him aging in the background and uh, the little sprite, uh, essentially uh, Navi, for lack of a better term. Hey, what's it? Uh, only he's uh, giving uh, very basic advice. Uh, is t- uh, telling me you better hurry up and find a checkpoint because I'm about to die of old age when I hit ninety. Yo, know, like you do. Indeed. Uh, so that happened. Uh, and also because of how the game is laid out on its uh, uh it's almost open world ish where you could see further uh sections that you need to uh, uh deal with later on. But there are some platforms that lead you back to the start, and they're essentially one-way jumps. So there was a couple times that I actually accidentally looped back because the game isn't exactly clear on where the fuck you should be going. So, yeah. This feels very much like a budget title. (laughs) And not the $15 budget title, I should say. It does have some interesting things. It... uh, it looks like it's going to have some sort of time manipulation on its puzzle elements because it has that whole braid mechanic of being able to rewind time and you leave essentially an echo doing things. But I never got far enough for it to really come into play. And the way that they handled the tutorials going into the game uh, was pretty much just a static, you know, you're in the area, it's going to give you a tooltip no matter you know what you do. Which uh, led to some confusing things whenever they kept telling me to press a certain button but it was the wrong button <laughs> nice or I'd already done an action and then the tooltip pops up and tells me to do the action so I do the action and undo what I did and I couldn't figure out why I wouldn't progress for a, you know, a, a, for a few seconds you know it's like okay what did I do oh I, it was delayed uh yeah I think if they polish this a bit more, it would be a lot more interesting. But as it is right now, it's definitely, I wouldn't say a hard pass, but it's for fans of the genre only. Uh, which is disappointing because it has a very, very interesting style. Uh, but yeah, there's some mechanics in there just essentially like a glorified timer. Yeah. I wish that they had it where the age actually made some sort of impact to your abilities, but then that would be a lot tougher to uh, to balance out. And since it is essentially a timer, you're rushed in certain areas, and because of how the level is laid out, or at least the initial level, if you have things mistimed, eh, uh, then hey, you're kind of screwed. Right. But yeah, not a whole lot to talk about here, just because, you know, kind of... Uh, bounced on it pretty quickly. I mean, not as quickly as some of the other games I played, but uh, was not enjoying it. Yeah. Well, my next game then is Tharsis. Tharsis is a interesting game that has some neat mechanics and a bit of a weird storyline. But it's really only good for one, maybe two playthroughs, unless you fail and die. Um, but I didn't have any problems completing it in one go. Yeah, this is something that I've uh, 
not really dove into that often. I, I've been meaning to play it, and it's been on actually the game club list a couple of times. It's a good game, and it's good for a playthrough, but I don't know how much there's there past that. I won't, I won't spoil the story bit. This is mostly a mechanics-based game anyways. The story is fairly simple, and honestly, once you get going, it's pretty predictable. Um, but I, I, I still won't spoil it. It's got a couple of neat things in there that do surprise you. The, the overall, I guess, arc of the story is predictable, but it's got a couple of little surprises in there. Um, what happens is that you're on a ship headed for Mars, um, and there is a disaster on board the ship that kills one of the crew members and essentially sets off a chain reaction of shit's broken, yo, and you have to fix it. Uh, you start with four crew members, and the goal is to make it to Mars with an intact ship and no one else dying on your crew. Yeah, good luck with that. Every, uh, it's nine rounds, I believe? There, well, there are different scenarios that, I guess that's where most of the replayability comes in. There are different scenarios in like a challenge mode that gives you, either you have to survive for longer, I think the base scenario is nine weeks, uh, or nine turns. Um, but there are challenges where you have to survive for longer or you have additional starting penalties like less crew members or less food or uh, it takes more dice to repair things. But anyway, so you have nine turns and every turn something breaks. And the farther you go, the more things break every turn. Um, and your crew members have special abilities that uh, if you get certain dice rolls, they have certain skills that they can use. For example, there's a medic. And if you... Uh, choose to spend a dice roll of five on the medic skill, you can heal everybody in one room uh, by one health point. So um, moving between rooms, if you move through a damaged room, uh, your people will take damage, and it depends on the severity of whatever the disaster is to how much damage they can take. I don't think that they can take more than two damage when moving through a single room, but, you know, if you're going to move people through a room to focus on something that's a bigger disaster, um, then, you know, it might be a good idea to move a couple of people through, fix the room, and then move the medic in last and have her heal people with her ability. Um, there's one crew member that can spend additional dice to heal the or repair the hull of the ship, which deteriorates as more and more sections of the ship get damaged. Uh, the commander can give... Uh, extra dice rolls to people or no extra dice to two people so you have like a dice pool that you can pull from and the commander can award bonus dice and then there's one crew member who gets uh an extra re-roll um so every turn there's some disasters that happen you have to decide how you're gonna move your crew around um and then the mechanic to fix things and deal with stuff is a dice roll mechanic and you have a dice pool to that you can pull from you can get up to five dice uh, and that's determined by a combination of um, what room you're in because each of the rooms do special things too like there's uh, the hydroponics lab uh, you can spend dice additional dice to get food points uh, one of the labs does or one of the the modules is a med bay where you can spend extra dice to heal your person one of them is I forget what it is, crew quarters maybe or something where you can spend extra dice to get additional dice in your pool on the next round. So, you know, there's a lot of strategy going on. Like, what do I fix? Do I send people here to maybe try and heal them or get some extra food, which comes into play at the end of every round? 
Uh, do you, you have the, a Russian there uh, yelling about lowest bidders? <laughs> no, you don't, but that would be hilarious. Um, but uh, so you go into a room and you have your dice that you roll up to five and you can spend dice uh, to repair and there will be a value for the room. So like if the repair value is 10, you'll need to spend at least 10 points of dice. So, you know, if you get two fives, then there's your 10 or if you get a four and a six or whatever. Um, and then you can spend dice on the room uh, ability. So, you know, healing or food or whatever. You can spend dice on your character's ability. And you can also spend dice uh, to put it in the research pool. And these are sort of like bonuses that you can pull by spending dice that you've stashed away into the research pool. And they can do things like um, the cheap ones will just do something for one crew member or maybe the room that you're in, like reduce the amount of dice that it will take to repair it by like five or give your crew member one health. And the more expensive they get, they eventually go to like ship wide things like uh, recovering uh, whole points on your ship or giving everybody additional dice or giving everybody uh, additional food or reducing stress. Um, so once you've done that, moved to all the rooms, rolled all the dice, done all the things, you get to the end of the round where you have to choose how to spend food. And food is the easiest way to recover dice um, and reduce stress. Uh, as your the stress levels of your people rise, the more likely that they are to uh, have like psychotic breaks and they can take additional damage or uh, make a mistake and increase like the amount of void or stasis dice which you can get which void dice they just disappear uh, and they represent like screw ups that your character made and stasis dice get frozen and can't be re-rolled uh, the stress levels can get so high though that they kill themselves or another crew member so yay oh the dwarf fortress effect uh, one of the twists that the game has is that um, eventually, you, when you run out of food, you can resort to cannibalism. And you have the the dead crew member from like the tutorial scene as the first character that you can start eating. And if you run out of food and you've eaten him and everyone is starved and stressed, you can actually kill crew members to eat them as well. So um, you see who wears the red shirt first? Indeed. Indeed, you do. Um, and that was a little bit of a twist, a little bit of a spoiler, but based on how you go about doing that, uh, it can change the ending of the game somewhat. Um, so I can, remember this from The Martian. Uh, from the book, yes. It's not in the movie, but it is in the book. They talk about killing and eating crew members. Yeah, the designated survivor. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so... Yeah, doing that also changes some things about the game uh, for the characters that have eaten other humans, but I won't spoil that part for you. Uh, that's uh, the way that they do it is really interesting and well done, and how it works into the mechanics and like constantly reminds you that oh yeah, this character uh, ate human. But that's basically the game. Uh, oh, well, no, there are little scenarios uh, at the end of most turns where it's like you choose between this thing or that thing, um, and they can be simple things like reduce stress or increase the amount of food that you have or get some free hull repair. Um, 
there's almost always some sort of negative consequence too. like one of them is like um ex- like one of them is called something like extended break and it's like all the crew members take a little bit of time to rest but they don't keep up with their maintenance duty and the ship takes two points of hull damage but everyone stress levels is reduced by 50 percent or something like that um and they affect different crew members in different ways like some decisions will affect all the crew some will only affect one or two members but i mean it's basically just a, a risk or you know balancing like the positive versus the negatives of what the thing does you're not allowed to pass up on those opportunities you have to to choose but usually it doesn't do too much bad stuff um and yeah, this game was supposed to be like super hard. So I don't know if I got lucky or if I've just played so many strategy games that like figuring out the most effective way to deal with all of the disasters was pretty easy for me. But I got through it in one go in about an hour. Um, and I got to the ending and I was like, I'm pretty sure that if I had done this differently, I would have gotten this ending. I'm just going to go look it up online. And I went and I mm-hmm. looked it up online and I was completely correct. And I was like, okay, well, that was fun. That was a neat experience. But uh, I'm not really interested in doing the challenge modes. And I know the other ending. So it, it's a good game. But it's definitely not, in my opinion, not worth the 15 bucks that it costs normally. It's a good, yeah, I like... Think it, I think it was on sale for pretty deep discount uh, when I picked it up. Yeah, according either to this... That, either that or I got it on a Humble Bundle or something. According to... to the Steam enhanced whatever. Uh, its lowest price was $2.54 on Steam during uh, a winter sale in 2016. Yeah, that's probably when I got it. I mean, it, it's worth a few bucks. You know, I would say that this game is definitely worth up to five bucks just for the inter- the, couple, the few interesting things that it does uh, with the story and the way that it uses mechanics to, uh, you know, the game mechanics to drive home a couple of points. Um and to help tell the story, it's nowhere near as impactful as like Brothers was. But, you know, it's using game mechanics in an interesting way that you don't normally see. But there's very low replay value here. Very low. Unless you're really into it and want to do the challenge missions. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's one to two hours probably of good gameplay in there. Um, and, and I think it's worth, you know, a few bucks. Okay, so not really a lot to jump in on. So moving along to our shared game. Indeed, Robothorium. I'll let you talk first while I take a drink. Yeah, Robothorium is another one of those that uh, I probably should have liked it more, but... And for me, I think my big problem with it was just maybe just the uh, robots I picked in the very beginning. So essentially, uh, there is a civil war on Earth... Uh, the AI has risen up, has a robot army, and it's fighting the humans. And you're on the robot side for once. You typically for these, you're a uh, human, aren't you? Yeah, usually. So anyway, you're this battle AI that uh, the robots have created to essentially try to uh, destroy all humans. And it's, I would call this a uh, roguelike where yeah. uh, you have a party of robots and you're going through different uh, essentially dungeons, bases, whatever you want to call it, and uh, JRPG-esque uh, turn-based battles. And it has some very interesting mechanics where uh, the robots kind of bounce off one another. Uh, you have a choice of six to begin with, and you pick three. 
and each one has their own special abilities. And uh, something that's interesting about each one of them is that the game sets it up so that you have a regenerating shield, but your actual damage that you take to the robot itself does not get healed, at least in the early game. So it's more balancing around uh, yeah, protecting your shields. And uh, the healer that I picked actually does replenish shields pretty strongly. And I'm assuming that you could replenish structure later on, right? Um, I'm not super far. I've played it for about two hours, although I haven't lost any structure in any mission yet. Uh, um, well, I lost some on one whenever all the enemies decided to gang up on the robot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's... Probably my biggest problem with this is that, okay, it's uh, uh, at least 3v3, usually somewhere around 3 or 4 on about 4 or 5. And the AI likes to gang up, which actually makes a little bit of sense. But my biggest problem with this game is that it's very easy to lose track of what the fuck is going on because the game has so many buffs and debuffs in it. Yeah. I mean, just a stupid amount. And it was compounded by... One of the bots I had also had uh, status effects on it. And the first one I found, I'm not sure if this is static or not. It's, uh, it's roguelike, so it has that chunk-based generation. Uh, is another one that does status effects and spreads the, the status effects. Is it the actress robot? No. Okay, it's different then. Okay. Because yeah. the one I got had a drone that attacked. Okay, so yeah. What were your... What were your six starting robots? Like, you don't... Uh, the ones I... Well, only ones I remember are the ones I picked, which was essentially... I picked one that was a big tank that was able to... Had a lot of shields and The was one able with the riot taunt. shield? Yeah. Yep. Okay, I picked uh, that the, one. I picked the medic. Yep, I picked that one too. The, the mechanic bot. And I bot. picked pretty much a damage dealer. I can't recall anything special about it. Is it the war bot? The one with two gun arms? I think so. Okay, so we picked the same starting team. <laughs> My, I think... All, on all the screenshots that I've seen for the starting, those three are always the same, but I had different um, robots on like the bottom row that I've seen on the starting screen. I had one that had like a little drone, which sounds like the one that you found. Yeah, that's the one, that's the that was my fourth. And between it and the, uh, uh, I believe it's the uh, tank one that has a essentially a mass stun, because uh, the game has a set up where it's. Rows of enemies, so you have the front row, back row. I'm not sure if there's any difference on damage taken or dealt between the rows. Uh, it wasn't very clear. Yeah, I haven't noticed any difference, but like I said, uh, I'm still pretty early uh, in the game. But it does a mass stun, and it, in combination with the other bot that had the ability to spread status effects, which stun is a status effect, it was actually pretty devastating. But I, I was already getting up to six or seven status effects and uh, buffs and debuffs on enemies. And it was making it very tough to keep track of things. Yeah, the Which, bot that I found is like an actress robot that all of her abilities are based around like charming. So like you'll apply a status effect that like you'll do damage, but it applies like a, a drain status effect. So you drain shield from an enemy. Or it will like every time you take damage, it'll be reflected back to an enemy. Like, all of her abilities are based around interacting. She doesn't actually have a straight-up attack. Yeah, I see uh, the, uh, the my fourth uh, with the drone. He does have a straight-up attack, but every time that he at attacks something, it also marks the target. So the drone, whenever his turn comes around, 
will do an auto attack and then he moves. So it, technically he's getting two actions. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I mean, it's very interesting. It's just, it's very tough to keep track of. Yeah. And, that, one of the- and also it, it felt a little shallow on the outside of combat aspects where, okay, you're pretty much just uh, adding status effects instead of anything else. Yeah, uh, like interacting with the dungeon, like aside yeah, interact- from finding yeah. loot. Yeah, you um, sometimes find loot, which uh, for some reason you don't always open up the chests. Yeah, uh, most yeah, of them a, have like a 75% chance to open. Yeah, uh, you're able to essentially poison the air supply to uh, put a status effect on the uh, on the humans. You can hack security drones to uh, be able to tell you what's going on further on. Yeah. Uh, but everything has a very set percentage chance. Yeah. Which could be frustrating if you start getting a lot of bad rolls, which I did at one point. Yeah. And the more bad rolls you get, the more it compounds because you yeah. get uh, there's a your threat own meter, status right? effects. And the more the threat meter rises, the worse your chances are to succeed at certain tasks. So And it also can... makes the enemies uh, more difficult. So it compounds even more and uh, that's something i really don't like i don't this is another game that's kind of on the back burner uh, for me to just to see how it goes because i believe this is still very early in its uh, early access run uh yeah i think it just like released into early act yeah june 7th was when it released so a couple of weeks ago into early access um this is another game that i have as like a background game that runs great on my laptop and can easily be alt tabbed out of or into as needed uh, and things like that. And it's turn-based. Um, so there's no rush. Uh, and as far as I can tell, there's no penalties for leaving it sitting for very long periods of time. Cause I left it sitting for something like two hours the other day, uh, tabbed out while I had a couple of back-to-back client sessions and then I tabbed back in and everybody was still standing in the same place in their fight. So yeah, according to this, uh, uh, at day one early access, they have 90% of uh, features implemented, 6 of 10 different robot classes, 75% of items, 90% of monsters, a PvP aspect, which I didn't even touch. Yeah, I did. Uh, the ability either. to create in uh, uh, levels and community uh, translation, and 90% of the branching story integrated. So it's actually further along than what I was expecting. It sounds like mostly the story stuff. Yeah, I assume uh, that that story stuff has to do with the factions. So as you yeah. do missions, the way that you interact with different characters will give you fact, you know, points with different factions. So there's certain factions that prefer peaceful interaction with, say, humans. There's another faction that wants you to kill all humans. Uh, so on, like the the Bender for, faction. Yeah, for me it was the second mission. I don't know if it was the second mission for you too. But there was this group of humans that I ran into. And they're like, oh, you can kill them or you can spare them. And yeah. there were two factions that were talking to me yeah, during a bunch the of, mission. Uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, engineers. Yeah, and like I chose to spare them. And the robot I did was too. like, kill all humans was like, oh, I don't need you as an ally. You suck. And the other guy was like, oh, you're awesome. Peace and love, man. Peace and love. And I got faction reputation points with him. And I mean, I like you can see that as you build rep with factions, they give you different bonuses. But I, I would assume that that story part is integrated with the factions and you get different story missions as you level up certain factions like that's just me assuming based on what they have said about the development of the game yeah it looks like there's also some sort of crafting element uh in the game because you keep getting crafting parts but didn't unlock that yeah i, still I, I will say that, that either yeah i will say that uh 
uh, the different robot parts. It is interesting that, okay, diff- there's different classes, but they don't really show very well, you know, uh, the uh, individual parts outside of just reading them out. Yeah. I wish there was a better sorting system uh, for the inventory, and you end up with a lot of parts very quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, a, a tick you can check in the options to automatically sell or dismantle all common items. Uh, I didn't see that, so yeah. maybe that's part of my problem. I kept it turned off for a little while just to like see what some of the variety was, but then, yeah, I turned that on. Yeah, and it's also very icon-heavy. Yeah, uh, for uh, for the stats. So there was a lot of going back and forth and mousing over the individual stats to see what they uh, what what they actually are. Yeah, uh, and does it allow for very intelligent uh, uh, choices on uh, items? So being able to say, uh, okay, uh, what is this icon? Oh, oh, okay, that's my structure. Probably don't want to equip something that uh, lowers structure, or oh, that's my shield. I don't want to equip something like that. Yeah. Or uh, the trade-off, you know, something that makes me faster. Well, that's a bot that I maybe want to go later in the uh, turn order because it's uh, the Final Fantasy uh, turn order thing where uh, different uh, initiatives uh, allows uh, the different uh, bots and humans to take turns in uh, varying uh, sorts. So if you want someone to take a turn later, you know, uh, don't put initiative on them. Yeah. Overall, I like it. It doesn't sound like you like it as much as I do. Like, uh, I mean, it's, it's another game that gets a little bit of a boost because it's, you know, it suits the purpose of what I was looking for. But outside of that, I generally like or genuinely like it. And I'm thinking about actually going and after we're done tonight, like laying down in bed and playing some on my laptop while I watch I mean, a movie or something a, before bedtime. It's not a bad base. It's just, uh, it's not very clear yet. Yeah. And, per- I mean, and particularly the, I think the combat's probably the uh, the worst part right now, where uh, it's very tough to keep track of what's going on. Yeah, uh, just with so many icons and uh, so many status effects and so many buffs and debuffs, and then you have uh, the enemies that will also throw buffs and debuffs, and it just becomes an icon mess. Yeah, yeah, much looks- like my desktop if I don't clean it off every so often. Hey. It's got mixed reviews on Steam, and most of the negative ones are saying uh, way too many uh, status buffs Like, can really sw- swing a-, a fight one way or another if suddenly you get someone focused with debuffs and then attacked. Like, that seems to be the biggest complaint. Um, yeah, which I is just a balance problem, which you know, can be fixed. Yeah, I haven't actually experienced that because I'm using my shield or my tank to taunt every turn basically and I'm constantly like healing him and buffing him up so like I purposefully have had one bot taking all the damage all the time yeah see I didn't uh, use him as so much as a taunter uh, he would taunt whenever uh, the other bots were taking damage uh, but there was a couple times where I was uh, you know just heavily focused and took some structure damage. I didn't lose anyone, but and I'm not sure what happens if I do. But yeah, yeah. So okay. I mean, yeah. Like I said before, I like it more than you do, but it doesn't sound like you hate it. Just yeah, it's it just I'm frustrated some, with it. Yeah, needs some balancing out for you. Yeah, and I, it's another one that's probably on the back burner, and I'll check uh, check it out later. Okay. 
Um, so we both had that one shared. Who goes next, me or you? Uh, well, let's hear about BattleTech. Okay, so BattleTech. Um, I'm still playing BattleTech after Game Club. Uh, I, I love that game. It's got a really good shot at being my game of the year. Definitely my Game Club game of the year. I mean, not to say well, that nothing still, else can pass it. Well, but, we still have six more to go. Yeah, but it's going to have to be real good. Like, Battletech, for me, like I said, was like an A game, you know? So it's going to... Whatever comes after, it's going to have to be an A+. But I'm not here to talk more about Battletech stuff specifically, because, you know, we talked about that for forever on our Game Club episode. Uh, I've actually been doing a lot of modding within Battletech. Um, it started out as just simple stuff, like going to go and edit the... Well, applying a couple of mods that remove like the milestone system so that the the randomly generated missions don't all become five skull missions at the end of the game and then it was you know well let me tweak this a little bit uh i feel like you know these missions should pay out a little bit more or the difficulty for this should be a little bit more varied and then there should be more missions actually in each mission and oh i'd like to have the lost tech weapon available in the store and before you know it uh I've spent four hours or so over the last couple of weeks rebalancing all of the weapons. And then and the patch comes the, out. Yeah, rebalancing all of the weapons and all of the equipment to make it more in line with the tabletop game. Uh, and then that wasn't quite fun to play with just because of the way that the game itself is designed. So I'm currently in the process of rebalancing the entire game. Re-rebalancing. Uh, yeah, and then I they would just actually announced. hold off on that. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and, and do it anyways, because I've got all of that stuff segregated off. I, I also did some things like trying to hack my save files and messing with other stuff that I don't quite understand, just sort of a poke it and see what breaks style of learning. And I've broken the game a number of times. So, you know, obviously I've got, you know, my cordoned off stuff that I work with and that I can copy and paste and launch out of that folder instead of the main one that's just the way that I like it. Um, so I've got everything separated. And I'm going to keep pressing on um, because unless they completely change the way that the the game pulls all of its uh, weapon stats and everything, like all of those files are easily editable and I can still go in and copy-paste if I don't like their balance changes. But they just announced, uh, Hairbrain Screams just announced like yesterday or today. Today. That... Um, their first major update that has more than just some simple bug fixes in it is releasing, and they're completely rebalancing all of the weapons in the game. Yeah, but have, most of their uh, uh, balance changes are around heat management and heat generation. Yeah, which, I mean, that's something that I did in my rebalance too, but, you know, I'll see how well it plays. But they also added a lot of other stuff too, or are adding, like an well, Iron Man add. mode... And some, like, advanced difficulty features where, that, for example, if you kill a mech by destroying its core, then you can't salvage any parts off of it, period. Uh, and I'm definitely not going to play with that, but... Yeah, which know, doesn't make that much sense, because shouldn't there be an arm left or something? Yeah, arms and legs, or a head, and salvageable weapons and stuff still. Well, well we killed the Atlas, what did we get to, a scrap? Uh, three screws, a washer, and... Uh, a red stain on uh, the ground. Yeah, kind of like the Iron Giant at the end of the movie before you see that he's putting himself back together. Just the dude. One spoilers. The box. That movie's <laughs> twenty years old almost. 
Yeah, came but out, Vin I think, Diesel's in uh, uh, best voice work. <laughs> well, Groot gives him a run for his gives it a run for its money. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's yeah. But I, I think the doing. Iron Giant can take Groot. Probably, probably. especially if Groot uh, tries to pull a gun. Uh, bad move, Groot. Bad well, Groot move. doesn't use guns though. He just fights with his tree. Yeah, arms. but uh, yeah, but he has a little trash panda that loves pulling out guns. Yeah, yeah. My urban mech is called Trash Panda. Now, like I've been, <laughs> you know, I've had trash can, recycle bin, uh, garbage can, garbage pail, and now it's it's Trash Panda. I, I still like my uh, uh, hunchbacks uh, that I was just naming after different types of gun. Yeah. Bazooka Joe, Icebreaker. Uh, the next one was going to be Juicy Fruit. But, so anyways, yeah, I mean, that's, I spent probably six hours, somewhere between four and six hours in the last three weeks working on modding the, the game files, rebalancing stuff. I did a, all of it in one go at first, like that first, well, the, the big rebalance, I should say, all the little tweaks I've been doing, like a little bit here and a little bit there, like stuff that I'm already pretty familiar with, but then actually going in and rebalancing the whole game. I did that the first time in one go. And now I'm working on it in little pieces. Because like I said, I tried to make it match the tabletop as closely as possible. And that made it not fun because of how the game itself is designed. So now I'm trying to get it close to the tabletop, but also still fun. I wonder if uh, the tabletop uh, build will uh, work better with some of the other changes that they're doing. It might. Like, uh, Like the stability changes that they're making. Yeah, the stability changes are interesting and adding extra uh, evasion. For, uh, for those who haven't uh, read the uh, patch notes, essentially they're making it so that uh, the heavier the weight class, the more stability uh, max that they have. And once you go after over a certain percentage, you become unstable, which uh, gives you a, a negative uh, uh, attribute. And then once you hit that um, max threshold, you fall over and uh, take a boo-boo. And take a turn to get up. Well, they're making it so that uh, it's kind of a weird combination where uh, an assault mech has double the stability, but also it doesn't recover as much of a percentage each turn. Yeah, unless you use uh, a brace. Uh, a, yeah, brace or what's the bulwark? Bulwark. Yeah. My brain just drew a huge blank there for a second. And um, I'm the one that hasn't played BattleTech. Uh, uh, nearly as much or uh, not nearly as often. Yeah. It's all right. It happens. But it, it's an interesting uh, uh, thing. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to the patch, um, I'm, seeing I'm, how it goes. I think I'm going to wait till they actually do more story content. Yeah. the I mean, I got the, the ballistic weapons balanced pretty well against themselves, um, you know, against other weapons in the ballistic class. Balancing the energy weapons is a lot harder, because um, you basically have to choose whether or not you're going to balance the all of the weapons in the game against the medium laser, or you're going to balance them in their class. But then you could wind up with unbalanced, you know, the weapon classes themselves being unbalanced, so your designs would favor more one thing than the other. But I, I focused first on the... Uh, on the ballistic weapons, because those were the ones in my mind that were the most out of whack. Uh, and I've got them set perfectly. Uh, I doubled the ammo per ton 
for every weapon. So, um, don't have to waste as much tonnage on ammo. I reduced the weight of all of the weapons by two tons and then increased the damage of all of them by 10% rounded up to whatever the, the even number that that is. Uh, and that seems to have worked pretty well. Now the question is, once you get this to a place where you like it, are you going to release it as your first official mod? I'm going to do that, actually, yeah. Um, that was, so when you, like, I had already seen the patch, and then you sent me, like, uh, on Steam today, you were like, oh, hey, Battletech releasing the patch or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool, so- but also kind of a bummer, because I've been been working on this rebalance mod for, you know, the better part of three weeks. And yeah, then- yeah, I saw the, uh, I actually saw Quill doing a uh, rundown of it. Uh, that's when I first uh, uh, saw the announcement of it. Yeah. I'm also, I'm trying, the only thing that I'm stumped with with the weapons is the rarity modifier. So that just means that it's either easier or more difficult to find in stores. And things that have a ra- a, a really low rarity, like 0, 1, 2, or 3, are pretty common. But on something that has like a, a really high rarity, whenever you change it down, I haven't been able to find it more readily in the game. So I don't know if I just have been unlucky or if there's something else that I need to modify besides the base rarity Do you think it may, you think it may be the different uh, planets uh, modifiers? It might be. It might be. Um, I It's one of those things I'm trying to learn it on my own, but I'm not afraid to ask for help and I'm not going to spend like tons of time if I can't figure it out. I'll ask. But... Like, before anyone, like, asks, you know, have you set them to be purchasable? Yes, I have. I have I have set their tags to be purchasable, like, for the Lost Tech weapons. Uh, okay, and okay. Then... I, one other uh, question for you. When okay. you're trying to uh, change these weapons and uh, make them more uh, common, are you saving your edits? <laughs> yes. Yes, I okay. am. I'm saving my edits. All right. That's all the help I could give. Yeah, so I, I don't know what's up with that. I haven't really messed too much with the planet tags, because um, that's a whole other thing. Like, the farther you go, the more complex things get, because everything has a lot more tags and attributes and a lot more interconnectedness. So, I mean, I'm not afraid to break things, obviously. I've broken plenty of things on this adventure, but digging into the actual mech stats... And digging into the planet stats is very daunting because of how much stuff there is for each one. So. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is if I tackle the game again, uh, there's a mod that it looks, well, it's a suite of mods that looks very interesting, which moves the timetable up, adds a lot of more mechs, and it makes it essentially a roguelite. Yeah, I've seen that mod, the one that makes it. Yeah, I linked it it to you. Yeah, where where it's uh, there's no story. You're just doing things, and it adds a lot more of events and uh, a lot more uh, weapons, mechs, and I I can't recall if it adds another mission type or not. But yeah, you know, another mission type or two wouldn't be hard either. Yeah, but so yeah, that's what I've been been up to in BattleTech for the last couple of weeks. I mean, I'm still playing it a few hours a week, uh, like actually things. playing it. And then the rest of my time playing it has been a combination of modding the game and then playing it to see if it works. Did I break it? 
is my balance, you know, the game balancing stuff that I'm doing right. And when I'm finished with it, when I'm satisfied with it, I will release it as an official mod. I'll put it up. Um, but I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. So. One request for you, if you're able to add things. Yeah. Flamer ammo. There's actually is flamer ammo in the, the, the game files. Oh, there it is. It has got, yeah. Um, I haven't actually spent too much time with it because I, I don't use the flamers. I just balance them around not well, being able to have ammo. But there is flamer ammo. Let's see. I, I wonder if it would be more interesting to have flamer ammo instead of, uh, you know, the limited shots. Uh, yeah. Inherent. Because, yeah. Let's see. Where's the flamer? I've got I've got these files open in the background right now. You just can't help yourself, can you? Flame. Well, I mean, I was working on them while we were chatting before we started recording and I just never closed it so you can change the amount of ammo that the flamer has by default it's got a starting ammo capacity of six you can change that to whatever you want let me go back to the ammo we're doing it live all right so there's an ammo there's an an ammo box for the flame flamer it is marked as purchasable false it has a cost of one c bill a rarity of zero all right, I'm going to turn this to true. And then break the oh, game. It's, it's got a tag in here. Flamer ammo should not be purchasable or available at all. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Flamers should have internal ammo only. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, so I guess they don't want you to have flamer ammo. I'm going to set it to true and then just see what happens. So true, rarity zero, cost. And computer crash. 1,000. I mean, this is just a simple edit. Capa- How much ammo is in it? Capacity of 1. Yeah, that's not enough. Uh, well, that's assuming that, you know, uh, they, you know, it even has the back end to be able to work still. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to give it uh, an so ammo should capacity we move of on? 6. Unless you want to continue mod talk. Oh, no, it's fine. We can move on. I just am going to save that and see what happens next time I try and launch the game. Uh, so, uh, talking about seeing what happens, uh, this was a game that I got on my press account, uh, off of Steam, so I don't have it on Steam, which, yeah, no big loss there. Cultist Simulator. This is essentially a card game that it would be completely unplayable in real life because it has timers out the wazoo. Essentially, this is a life sim of someone forming a cult to summon Cthulhu, you know, like you do. Indeed, as you do. And I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing with this game. I played it for an hour and some change, I think about nearly two hours. And it's completely incomprehensible still. There's a lot of trial and error and just filling about which I found very unsatisfying where essentially as you do events more cards pop up but you're on a set timer because as you uh, as time progresses you have to uh, spend money to live you know like you do Indeed. Uh, so you have to maintain your job which uh, is a constant ca- counter going on and on and on and it's just incredibly frustrating because there's no documentation to this game whatsoever. (laughs) 
And the only way to really understand what's going on is either spend a lot of time with it and fiddle with it. Yeah, sort of like some of the older Flash games, like Doodle God. You know, where you, you know, put two things together and see what happens, and you put two other things together and see what happens. Uh, but only with a bunch of timers, a bunch of waiting, uh, uh there will be events that will pop up that will cost you other things, like, uh, health cards that you have to maintain. There's other cards that ha- have a set timer on them, and if you don't use them within a certain amount of time, uh, they'll either vanish or they'll t- turn into another card. And imagine if you're dedicated to this and you actually love the theme of this. It'd be a very fascinating game, but I just was not dedicated to it. So it's just completely incomprehensible to me. Yeah, it looks really complicated. And I've heard a little bit about this game. I think it was mentioned on the Co-Optional podcast once. Or maybe it was... (coughs) Excuse me. On Podquisition, but wherever I heard it, they basically said this game is nigh incomprehensible when you start playing it because of how much, how messy everything is, how yeah. much stuff there yeah, is. Yeah, it's essentially, you handle it like a card game in Tabletop Simulator, yeah. only your primary actions uh, all have timers and they also have costs associated with them. And there's no way to really well sort the things and spend the time to figure out things because you're always under that stress of, okay, uh, if I don't uh, go into work within the next you know, 30 seconds, which thankfully you could at least pause the, uh, the timers to uh, be able to look around, uh, then I'll lose my job, which will cut my source of income. And then you know, I'm uh, unable to explore, to be able to find more information about the cult I'm trying to find. Uh, found or be able to uh, go out to recruit members. I was able to found the cult, but that was about it. And I uh, ended up actually losing because I hit a random event, which required a lot more health cards uh, than I had. And I wasn't sure how I was generating them. Yeah. Uh, because there's just so many different interactions. And I mean, if you look at the steam screenshots, there's just an absolute mess of cards. This feels like one of those games that the developer made and is probably the only person on the planet that's able to play well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely definitely looks like it uh, would be a good candidate for that. Does it not have any tutorials? or No tutorial whatsoever. You're thrown in oh. to the deep end. Oh, good. Like I said, no documentation whatsoever. Okay. No help screen, no tutorials. Uh, it's just do things and see what happens and uh, take copious amount of notes because there's no way you're going to keep track of everything. And you're able to uh, eventually, I think, send out cultists to do missions, but um, uh, missions will also probably require other things. And you just see just so much stuff on the uh, Steam store page. I was thinking that would at least, you know, kind of you know, ease you into it. No, it does not. Right. Which is a, I mean, kind of a shame because it's an interesting theme but there's incomprehensible right sometimes i'm okay okay with games throwing you off in the deep end as long as they have a good learning curve or anyways, you know have you know? A, uh, some sort of learning curve that isn't a complete cliff or enough where you can fiddle with it and figure out little bits and pieces i mean to be fair i do like dwarf fortress and that is yeah the same style thing but you're able to slowly 
figure out bits and pieces of it. This, the only way you could do it is with a complete god, which doesn't feel like the way you should be playing it. Yeah. And actually, hang on, let's go over to the gods in this because this ought to be interesting. Uh, let's see, new player. Oh, that's a video god, which would be unhelpful. Uh, achievement god, a uh, quick lore study. I mean, there's just all sorts of different gods. Which just, yeah, should tell you just how complex the game is, which isn't a bad thing, but damn. Yeah. Uh, the complete guide to Culto Simulator. Wow, that's a long walkthrough. That is an exceptionally long walkthrough. This feels like a wiki game without a wiki, to be perfectly honest. The, uh, best time, best kind. No, it isn't. Or, or worst kind. Worst. <laughs> it's Devolver Digital last year, not this year. Oh boy! Alrighty, so, are you ready for? Yep. Is it my turn? Sweet. So I uh, played a couple of mobile games this week too, and I'm moving on to those. The first is HQ Trivia. So yeah, HQ you've been trying trivia, to get me to play this. Well, I I sent you the the link once. No, Katie sent it to me as well. Oh, okay. Um. So I mean, what this is is it's live trivia. That happens most of the time twice a day. Occasionally they only do it once a day. And I've seen like in posts people like occasionally they've done it like three times a day. But I haven't been playing when that happens. Um, and typically it's every day at 3 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, also known as Rebel Time in our community. Um, and uh, it's a series of 12 questions that start out really easy and get progressively harder. Uh, with, like I said, it's live trivia. They have a live host. Um, there's a live chat and you can see as players drop off after they, uh, get questions wrong and then leave the game and stuff like that. Uh, they've got two or three different hosts that they rotate who does it and they're all pretty cheesy. Um, lot, you know, lots of bad puns and stuff like that. So, so you, you know, love it. I love it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's typical, you know, game show host type of stuff. Um, they, uh, and the, aside from the live trivia, you can actually win real money that can be really deposited into your real PayPal account. And they get huge sponsorships because of the amount of live viewers and engagement that they have. Uh, for the NBA playoffs a few weeks ago, they had increasing, uh, money, like pots every night, uh, that, whatever team i don't know anything about basketball whatever team lebron james was on like every night that they won a game oh that's the, the one with the puck right sure every night that that his team he and his team won a game the amount that you could win went up by a hundred thousand dollars and at the end they uh the last night uh it was like a four hundred thousand dollar prize and it gets split by everybody who wins so you know most of the time players win like two or three bucks um Have but you for won these anything? No, so far I haven't won anything. I've gotten to the last question two or three times. Um, but so the way that the question difficulty increases is like the first three questions are really stupid. It's like, what, you know, what is the third number? And it's like Q three brown. Basically, uh, basically it's a captcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's get rid of the bots that play. And get rid of the people who are like super trolls. 
And the first three questions are like that. And then the next three questions are really simple trivia, you know, sort of like general knowledge stuff. And then the next three questions are more specific trivia. And then the final three questions are ridiculously specific, difficult trivia. And I regularly get through the first nine questions. Um, You know, there's been a few times that I've gotten out on an easier question. Just, you know, I just didn't know it. Um, But I regularly get through the first nine questions. And then 10, 11, and 12 is usually where I get out. But I'm I'm so close. I've gotten so close a few times. You can get uh, extra lives, which allow you to... You can be used once per game. So if you miss a question, you can keep going with your extra life. But you're not allowed to use the extra lives on the last question. So... There's that, which, I mean, that makes sense why that they would do that, but it still kind of sucks because I've had extra lives a few times and been like, oh my God, I missed the last question. If I could just use my extra life, I could win. But uh, there, there are a few, like you can check the leaderboards. There are a few people that have won like $25,000 in total. I assume that that's either like a group, of, <laughs> yeah, or a group of people who are like all working together at the same phone during like the really big payout nights that they do or big payout games they do every once in a while when they get a big sponsor. Typically the prize pool's five grand. Um but like they were sponsored by Oceans Eight and that night it was eighty eight thousand eight hundred and eighty eight dollars. At eighty eight uh, cents? Unfortunately no. No, oh. they didn't do the eighty eight cents. I was very upset about that, trust me. I didn't commit to it. Yeah. But it's a fun experience. Katie and I have been playing most every night. I mean, occasionally we miss a night, but we play most every night. My mom plays, too. On Fridays, you can see what your friends vote. I I wish that that feature would be all the time. But, you know, friends, anybody that you add or, you know, sends your friend request, like, you can see the answer that they pick. And that's fun. Um, But, yeah, I wish that was turned on all the time. But it's just, it's fun. It's just, it's just trivia, you know? Um, I missed tonight's trivia, obviously, because we were recording, but I got the notification on my phone and I was, I was kind of sad for a minute. And, and I'm always really excited when I get to play in the middle of the day, because at three o'clock, like the, my afternoon clients, I usually schedule my flaky clients for the afternoons. So, you know, if they don't show up, I get to go home early or have extra time to do. Now, now flaky, are we talking about mentally or habitually? Yes. And. Um, so occasionally I get to play in the afternoon and that always makes me really happy. But yeah, I mean, it's just fun, simple trivia with really cheesy hosts and I'm, I'm okay with both of those things. So yeah, it's HQ trivia. What about you? What's Uh, what's your next game? Well, for me, Google has actually been pestering me with money. All right. Okay. Uh, the last, I would say two or three months. I've gotten an email from uh, Google saying, here, have two bucks. Repeatedly. (laughs) To the point that I have like 20 bucks in my Google Play account. Between that and surveys. So, I finally decided, fine, you you want me to spend some of, uh, you want me to spend the Google money? I'll spend the Google money. Because it's not money to me. (laughs) And I'm not going to attach a payment option to Google Play. So, I decided to get essentially the upgrade to a game I talked about ages ago, uh, Motorsport Manager 2. Nice. Uh, and it's actually a lot better. For one, you're actually competitive from the very beginning. I haven't gotten too far into it. I'm still on the first championship. But it's a lot more manager-like, where you have a lot more, essentially, dials to turn. 
where you're able to tweak the cards. You're able to bop individual parts uh, for uh, depending on the championship or the series that you're running. Certain parts may be spec parts where you have to use these parts, but then other parts are upgradable. Like uh, in the first uh, championship, the spec parts are the engine and the gearbox. We're able to upgrade suspension to get better suspension or more reliable suspension. And where the reliability kind of plays in is as your drivers race, they have a chance to take damage. And the more reliable parts, the the, the higher that uh, uh, essentially pool of damage is. And it seems like you take less because I have one car that's a lot more reliable than others than the other. And it's crashed out a lot less where it hasn't had to come into the pits as often for repairs. So there's uh, that already. Uh, all the drivers have their uh, individual traits that they could acquire or lose during races. Like uh, I had, I have one driver that uh, my secondary driver is absolutely shit, or he was, uh, to the point where he had a couple races where he came in last. So he ended up getting very discouraged to the point where he was taking a uh, penalty to his stat points for coming in last so uh, often and wouldn't lose it until he was able to, you know, get out from the basement, essentially, (laughs) of the uh, grid. So there's a lot more interesting things going on here. And it seems like as the uh, game progresses through the different uh, series, uh, the different types of cars... Uh, different rule sets are going to come in. Like right now, I could see the ability to change the amount of fuel I have or refuel on the during the race, but I don't have that option in this particular series I'm in because that uh, racing with uh, refueling is disallowed. I have to take all the fuel I carry at the very beginning, and that also uh, enters into the uh, dilemmas where certain dilemmas may increase your fuel efficiency or make it so that you your tires wear more. Uh, and taking it where you have less fuel efficiency could actually make it so that because the cars default to the number of laps that they carry fuel for, if you have a less efficient car, you may either have to cut down the engine a bit, uh, make it run a little bit leaner for a time, or have to run the risk of running out of fuel if you have a poor driver uh, or a lot greater risk. It's a very interesting thing going on and i've uh, really enjoyed it so far it's a good distraction yeah once again it's yeah it's very passive on its uh, decisions yeah and then there's a lot of uh, sitting around and watching races but they go by fairly quickly and you're able to fast forward for a good chunk of it uh pit strategy is still a thing but it's actually more involved now where you have different uh uh, the, you have a lot more choices on your gear ratios and uh, your uh, aerodynamics, and you also, in later races, will be able to uh, tell, uh, you know, refuel more fuel, which will also weigh down the car. And uh, there's a lot more, like I said, dials to turn in uh, this one than the original, which uh, feels very much like a demo. So I've really enjoyed it so far. Not, nice. Uh, not a lot more to talk about, really. I mean, it's, uh, it, you ever played the first one or essentially the Steam version of it? You've probably played this one, but it, it's... Well, when I picked it up, it was two bucks something. Uh, it was on sale. Yeah. 
Uh, right now it's four bucks, which is, is you know, it's a little steep for a bubble game, but it's not bad. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad you liked your mobile game. Yeah, my first bought game, which didn't cost me a damn thing <laughs> because Google nice. kept pestering me. Well, uh, I too had Google send me a thing that was like, here's some Google Play Store credit. And I got $2. Plus, oh, so I you had got it some, as well. Yeah, plus I had some uh, some money from, you know, doing the, the Google surveys, just like a dollar or something in my, my Google Play wallet. Um, and so I've been looking for mobile games to play, like I said, at work on my downtime. Uh, and You Must Build a Boat it was on there for two ninety nine. I've played You Must Build a Boat on PC, and I think I've even talked about it on the show. But if I yeah, did, I think it would have been a long time ago. But I've always felt like this would be a good game to have on mobile. I mean, it's basically just a match three type puzzle game. Um, it's got a few more you know, extra things beyond just, like, matching the the stuff. Um, But at its core, it's a match-three puzzle game, and those perform pretty well on phones. So uh, I bought it, and I've been playing it on my phone, and it plays really well. Uh, Not only does the match-three mechanic transition perfectly to a touchscreen, but uh, due to its uh, pixel art... um, Style? Art art style. uh, And it's, like, cute quirky little 8-bit soundtrack and stuff. Um, I mean, it plays really well on my phone, and it looks it still looks great when it's scaled down, and it still sounds great. Um, so it's just a lot of fun. Uh, the, the sort of additional Beyond Match 3 stuff that You Must Build a Boat does is that you build a boat, uh, and as you go through the dungeons um, and complete the little quests and get new people to come on your boat, uh, mostly monsters or you know, there's like zombies and mummies and ghouls and etc. Et oh my! Um, you know, those guys come on your boat, and then occasionally you get humans that open like shops, where that you can upgrade your weapons and items and get new abilities to have during the, uh, your dungeon runs. Um, and your boat slowly starts to grow, and once you complete all of the quests for a specific dungeon, you move on. And I assume eventually you get like a sale or something. But in the beginning, everyone just like jumps and uses <laughs> the power of, I don't know, kinetic energy to uses, jump. No, no, no. It uses the power of video game logic. Yeah. The power of video game logic to jump your boat up the river. And then you'll get to a point where the, like, the current's too fast and they can't go forward anymore. So they'll drop anchor and you'll have to you know, build go a boat. to the next dungeon and build your boat bigger and get more people to jump um, <laughs> as you go upstream. Um, and, and, of course, the dungeons get progressively harder, uh, and every run, like, you can't lose. Even when you lose, it flashes up, and it's like, you win! And it just tells you what, how far you made it in the dungeon, and just gives you a total of all the things. The power of positive reinforcement. Indeed. Um, but, you know, it tells you how much money you collected, how much brain power you collected, and how much brawn you collected, which are used, all used to upgrade the various things, um... And then occasionally you get special items which are used to perform like super upgrades on your weapons. I mean, it's it's a very simple game, a very simple concept. It's got just enough stuff layered on top of a match three to make it really fun. And I mean, a run usually takes, you know, from opening the app to completing a single run is like three to five minutes. Um, 
and then additional runs only take usually a minute or two before you die. Um, I mean, it's got this risk-reward mechanic. The more quests you take on at the same time, the tougher the dungeons are, but the rewards are higher, meaning you don't have to grind as much to move on to the next area. But, you know, it's quick to pick up and play. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, I, you know, I enjoyed this game on PC, and it transferred really well to a, a, a mobile device. Um, I'm not sure if it would play as well on an on a tablet compared to a phone. Um, just because of swiping area? Just Yeah, just because of the swiping area, and then you would have to use two hands. It might be a little bit awkward to, to play that way. Like, just using one hand on my phone is fine, just, like, flicking with my thumb. Um, but I'm not sure if it would work better on a sort of an in-between screen, you know, like on, a, on an iPad or something like that. But I haven't played it there, so, you know, I'm not sure. But, yeah, it's a, it's a fun game. I like it a lot. You must build a boat. It's, it's I think it's like two ninety nine. Uh, since I have now purchased it, I can't see the price of it. But their other game, ten million or ten billion, is two ninety nine. Uh, it's, it's basically the same game. Yeah, uh, only with a dungeon theme to it, or more dungeon of theme. Yeah. But I think that wraps us up. So time to jump in the elevator to go to the news floor. Indeed. Well, uh, take a break in the elevator, of course. I was going to say, are we going <laughs> to take a break before we go discuss a few news topics? Yeah, I think so. Well, we are back from our break and ready to move on to the news. And the first news topic of the night, Sony faces growing Fortnite backlash at E3, and also afterwards. Yep, uh, this was originally grabbed, actually from the BBC. <laughs> you know th- uh, shit is going down was the BBC covering this. Yeah. Uh, but pretty much, uh, this is something that Sony has been doing behind the scenes for a while, but it's really come to the forefront with Fortnite coming to uh, the Switch. Is that any uh, account or a third-party account that's attached to uh, Sony, uh, the Sony platform? Well, I- I'm going to use Jim Sterling's uh, uh, term here. Gets infected and lot and put in quarantine essentially, and you cannot use it for any other platform, or at least any other console. I'm not actually sure if it could you use it on PC or not. Yeah, that's a good question. I've only seen people really talking about uh, the Xbox and Switch. Uh, but essentially, this has really come to the forefront with uh, Fortnite uh, going to Switch in that a lot of people were wanting to try it for the poor ability on the Switch and found that they couldn't use the account that they've been using on their PlayStation uh, and are rather pissed about it. And Sony's made some very um, shit statements. I think shit is a good uh, term here. On this other uh, article, which I'm bringing up, it's on the Eurogamer one. Uh, they said, uh, uh, well, uh, the, uh, also the X, uh, Sony dev says, uh, PS4 console, uh, cross pl- uh, platform block is all about the money, but duh. Yeah. So it's just- actually the TechCrafter one that I was looking for. Yeah. Well, it says right here that they uh, have crossplay with PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. So 
So, I would yeah, so assume, assume that means yeah. that your account is fine on those devices. It's just the other uh, consoles. Yeah. Uh, we're always open to hearing the, what the PlayStation community is interested in to enhance their gaming experience. With more than 80 billion monthly active users on the PlayStation Network, we built a huge community of gamers who can play together on Fortnite and all online titles as long as you pay. Oh, wait. Uh, I may have added that last bit. <laughs> uh, we also offer Fortnite crossplay support to PC, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, expanding opportunity for Fortnite fans on PS4 to play with even more gamers on other platforms. As long as they're not other consoles, then we're going to blo- uh, cock block you. Oh, yep. wait. I uh, may have added that last bit as well. But, uh, you know, it's very anti-consumer. Not to say that Sony is completely the only dicks here because Microsoft pulled the same shit last console generation. And part of this is also Sony trying to get back at them because they're the top dog now after Microsoft dropped the ball. So, you know, the entire console situation is just a bunch of dicks, uh, you know, being dicks to one another. And it's gamers being caught in the crossfire of dick waggling, which is, uns- well, first of all, uh, uh, got you pretty aroused right now, I imagine. Absolutely. I'm just waggling my dick. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but it just draws me bonkers that gamers put up with this. But it's a closed platform, so what are they going to do other than build a PC? Yeah, and Sony never said anything about this. So no. even no, never like, said anything about this. Uh, it's not on Epic's uh, side either, where they say anything about it when you're uh, connecting your accounts. There's no big warning. Uh, hey, uh, you're about to lock down your account. You sure you want to do this? And this is people that spent money, and for th- some of these people, a hell of a lot of money. And Epic is saying that they can't do anything about it. I haven't seen an explanation why. I assume I it's legal. Part of some contract or something that they signed to get it on PlayStation. Either that or something on the Sony's back end uh, that you know, flags their account. Yeah, you know, yeah. Do, uh, some sort of uh, exclusive or something that uh, you can't take off the account, which is a possibility. But then it wouldn't uh, allow PC Android stuff. So maybe it's just legal things. Yeah, who knows? But it's just I very mean, Fortnite- frustrating. Fortnite jumped last year to beat PUBG to PS4, so they might have agreed to something really shitty. Yeah. And that and deal to be first to PS4, and then just haven't said anything about it and hoped for the best, you know? Like, yeah. Epic Games is not, you know, like some darling, you know? Yeah, there's None a lot of, these of shit. Companies are. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of shit going around. I would say that Sony is the worst of the two of them, if that's the case, but Epic Games is not completely off of the hook because they still agreed to it, if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, it's just... Uh, this is more of a warning to everyone uh, that you know, these game companies are not your friends, that, and Sony's been uh, actively blocking crossplay for quite some time now. But, you know, like I said, you know, Microsoft did it last console generation, so maybe Nintendo will do it next uh, console generation. Nah, that, that requires them to actually catch up. 
They're doing pretty well for themselves. Uh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm joking. Uh, Nintendo's actually done very well. The switches are caught fire. It's so weird to think too that we live in a world where that Nintendo is the one playing nice with everybody else, and Sony is the one that's not. Well, as long as you're not a content creator. Well, yeah, but I just mean like on this sort of cross-play opening up their platform to indie devs and yeah, stuff I mean, like that. Like, Nintendo's kicking Sony's ass in both of those respects. Yeah, most of what the Nintendo conference was when it wasn't Super Smash Brothers was uh, the list of indies that was coming. Yeah. And that just feels, feels so weird to see. Like, f- five years ago? Hell, two or three years ago. That wouldn't have been the case with the N- Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo was Maybe a very lot platform on the Wii and Wii U to be fair for a uh, pretty good reason. I mean, the, even though the Switch still has its uh, oddities on the controls, it's a lot more of a standard control mechanism than the Wii and Wii U had. Maybe they're finally starting to get it. Uh, maybe. Uh, obvi- it. Oh, well, not completely, because look at how they're handling their online schemes. Ugh. Yeah, well, Nintendo's got a Nintendo something up, right? Yeah, True. How about we just uh, get a PC and be done with it? <laughs> oh, wait. We already did you. <laughs> oh, I got to take a drink of water. I was thirsty. Yeah, I, I do hope that uh, eventually we see uh, yeah, a consistency uh, with uh, uh, crossplay where all the consoles are able to crossplay with one another and. Sony or Microsoft, uh, whoever is being the dick at the time, stops that. Because that's the only thing that they're doing is creating a lot of bad will and driving it, to, uh, driving players to the other console in the next generation. Yeah, I think if they all just go cross-play, they'll, they won't be able to pull back from it. So if we ever get them all there at the same time, we'll, they'll probably all stay that way for at least a while. I mean, you know, companies can do... Yeah, at least a console generation. The uh, main problem with it is the mentality of money on the table, where they see that there's a possibility that if they do cross-play, you know, somebody may not buy their console because uh, you know, they may just think, oh, well, I could just get this other console. Uh, but it's a mentality that I think a, a, you know, a good chunk of the executives need to step away from. But that's also really driving the monetization schemes that we're seeing in these games. And that's, you know, making stupid amounts of money. So, of course, they're not going to drop it. Yeah, I mean, what you need to sell consoles these days, for the most part, are good first-party titles. Like, I mean, exclusives... Maybe somebody should tell Microsoft that. (laughs) Exclusives, to some extent, like, I have problems with them. But in order to keep the market competitive... First-party developed titles, I don't have a problem with being exclusives. You I know? mean, I understand why they exist. Yeah. And, uh, and for, well, for exclusive titles, for first-party, I understand why they exist as well, because they uh, allow a lot more polish and a lot more time. They could be the loss leader for a console. Yeah. I mean, that's what's making me want to buy a Switch. Like, there are enough first-party titles on that now that catch my fancy that I'm willing to spend the money on it. Whereas the PS4, there's not. You know, I'm not interested there, in buying one because there's only a couple of games yeah. that I want to play on PS4 that either I can't play, you know, that I can't play anywhere else. 
or you know am interested enough to get into so i mean to be fair at least for me the entire crossplay uh, problem is a non-star or yeah a non-problem because i don't like playing that much online and i'm not yeah. going to pay them for the privilege yeah which still just seems ridiculous uh, i realize that they do give you perks but at the same time you're you know you can get these games on sale that they're giving you a lot of times for less than what the entire subscription is, right? Yeah. A lot of times you can. I mean, there are uh, the exceptions, but still. Just weird. Uh, that's what I get for being a PC gamer. First world <laughs> problems. Yeah. Cheap games. A greater variety than any console platform could ever give you. Superior graphics and frame rate. Well, when the game is optimized. Yeah, but you can at least power through if a game's not optimized. Uh, not you me. You can try to, anyways. Not, not not me. I need the new computer for that, which got put on the back burner with the move. Yeah, fair play. Um, uh, so, moving along? Indeed, moving along to our next news topic, which I have to scroll to. West Virginia tourist sites see massive traffic after Fallout 76 reveal. Indeed. So this is your topic for yeah, the show. Well, this was also brought up in our Discord, but uh, it, it's a, a weird, weird thing here locally. For those who don't know, I live in the state of West Virginia. And uh, for those who also don't know, yes, West Virginia is a state. It happens to be west of Virginia. Hence the name. And it's gotten a stupid amount of attention here. I mean, the subreddit for uh, West Virginia, which, yes, there is a subreddit, is just completely covered in Fallout stuff. And locally, I've heard people talking about a Fallout that I know are at least, you know, not on the cutting edge of... Uh, uh, technology to almost downright technophobic. So it's just bizarro land that Fallout is that big here. And hearing people talking about it that I know have no connection to gaming whatsoever. And I can understand why there's that excitement about it in that, at least on the surface, it appears to actually be fair to West Virginians. Not to say that the stereotype is not without merit, because stereotypes usually have at least some basis in reality, right? Yeah. But it's been interesting, and because of how fair it's been, it's driven a lot of interest in the state. And I do think at least some of this may be, you know, people that are excited about the game in general and wanting to see what some of the attractions that they could visit are, and not tourists wanting to visit the state but it's also shown some interesting things about the state and some of the lore of the state some of the uh, myths and uh, possibilities of vacations and the state on the official level hasn't made you know any real attempts to try to cash in on this attention yet i'll be shocked if they don't do something uh but it's been an interesting uh, thing. I, I just did not think uh, Fallout 76 was going to be this massive. At least here, I should say. 
but there's also kind of that kind of oddity where uh, since the game is online only, a lot of the people that are talking about this game aren't even going to be able to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and not even just the lack of online ca- connectivity, but uh, the lack of infrastructure in the state as well. There's that weird juxtaposition that, you know, the irony of it all. Uh, but this is uh, just so weird. <laughs> From uh, they've gone from average uh, two thousand visitors a day to thirty thousand on one West Virginia uh, tourist site, just uh, an over tenfold uh, increase. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Pretty neat too, though. Yeah, I mean, it just shows you the power of video games. To be fair, like I said, I don't think all this is people that are interested in uh, you know visiting the state. I do think at least some of it are people that are, uh, you know, trying to figure out the map and see, you know, uh, landmarks that could be in the game. But still, it's, you know, a driving force. Yeah. Boy, are they going to uh, be disappointed when uh, they get to the state, though, and uh, wanting to visit? And it's not nearly as green as it is in the game. <laughs> it's more uh, black with coal dust. Yeah, more bl- uh, more of a brownish uh, color. Uh, and also, yeah, uh, uh, it, I didn't see any uh, mountaintop removal in the game. Did you say mountaintop removal? Yeah, that's nice. uh, that's an actual thing. Uh, some of the uh, the coal mining operations here, instead of digging into the mountain, decide, yeah, let's uh, decapitate it. Nice, I guess. Actually, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it is terrible. It's just, it's just it's destroying. Nature. Because I'm one of them SJW hippies. Nature should be preserved. Fucking snowflake. (laughs) I used to not be very environmentally conservative. Like, well, well, that's leaving heart liberal in every other area. But my thing was always like, fuck this planet. Let's just get to space and then we don't have to worry about it. But it's quite clear that if we don't take care of our planet, we're not going to make it to space at this rate. So... Well, you're not going to join the Space Force? Oh my god, let's not start on that. <laughs> Again. Uh, uh, but to be fair, maybe it's just that you haven't changed that much. It's just the uh, the political uh, climate in the United States has shifted uh, so much. Yeah. Because there is that as well. There is definitely that. So... Uh, but yeah, this is just uh, yeah a fascinating thing to me, uh, and just locally as well. You know, hearing some of uh, uh, the older people that hang around the, the apartment complex and talk, and hearing them talk about Fallout is weird. Yeah, kind of. It must feel sort of like when my dad started talking to me about Bitcoin. <laughs> I imagine like, so, actually. I said, "How do you know what this is, Dad?" Well, they were talking about it on the news. Yeah, I, I just, I had to ask, Fallout? You're talking about Fallout? <laughs> nice. Well, maybe they'll get a little little cultured. I mean, my hopes aren't up, but maybe they will. Uh, but to be fair, to be able to play it, you know, they have to have the online connectivity, so maybe not. Yeah. 
So, our last news topic of the night. And this is your topic, yeah. Indeed. The WHO, that's World Health Organization, makes gaming disorder diagnosis official. So, back in... December? Was it December? I thought it was a little bit earlier than that last year. Uh, Well, well, I I was about to say December, November, somewhere in there. It was late last year. Yeah, sometime late last year, um, they... The WHO announced uh, a proposal or released a proposal for like a first draft of a video gaming disorder. Uh, I think it was originally called online gaming disorder. Uh, But they have made that official now and it's going to be in the next revision or the next uh, version of the ICD, which is the WHO's big uh, essentially code book for all uh, health related diagnoses so it includes medical and mental health diagnoses um and it will probably make its way into um the next version of the dsm which is the diagnostic and um Fucking shit, I just forgot the name of my own thing. The Diagnostic <laughs> and Statistician Manual. The the big book of disorders that we have. God damn, my brain is like fried tonight. I've even got my pocket DSM sitting on the bookshelf next to me. I could just grab it and look at it and read it, but fuck it. I'm just going to forget what it's called for a minute. But it'll, it'll probably be wind up in the revised version of the DSM uh, 5 is what we're at now, so... 5R for revised. Well, not top point enough... one? No. Not, not, not like uh, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> nope. There were there was the original DSM, then there was the DSM revised edition, then there was the DSM 2, Electric 2 revised, Boogaloo. 3, 3 revised, 4, 4 revised, 4 revised second edition, then 5, and we're due for a revised edition of 5 in the next year or so. It's usually every five or six years that they do a revision. And I suspect this will make it into the DSM. Um, but, I mean, basically what this is is a, a spe- an addiction disorder that specifically relates to video games. It has all of the same criteria for any other addiction. Um, you know, you spend a significant portion of your time doing this above your this thing above your other responsibilities it's negatively impacting your life so that you have difficulty functioning at work or school or in your family environment um and you constantly or despite negative consequences you continue to participate in this activity which meets the the diagnosable criteria for any addiction um period there's been some backlash to this people are saying like oh this isn't uh, you know, like you should focus more on more serious mental health disorders and things like that. Like this is already covered under, you know, addiction diagnosis. Um, and technically that's correct. Um, you can just mark it as other, you know, um, other addiction, uh, disorder. Um, and then that covers a wide variety of things that aren't specifically covered by like alcohol and drugs or gambling, um, but the, the bigger things that become more prevalent, uh, do oftentimes get their own individual diagnosis. And oftentimes most addictive behavior is masking 
or it is a symptom of some other type of disorder. Not always, but lots of times it is. Um, you know, people suffer from depression or anxiety, so they drink or they do drugs or they, because of it, they're more susceptible to gambling because of the, you know, the feel good endorphins that get released when you win at gambling. Uh, and gaming fills that same role as do certain things. So that, you know, other activities like exercise or, um, any other hobby that you could say that someone was spending way too much time on that they needed to. So I see both sides of the argument. Personally, I come down on the side of it's good to have this specific diagnosis. Um, in my opinion, I think it's good to be as specific as possible when you're diagnosing someone. I don't find it helpful at all whenever someone comes in and they've been previously diagnosed with like four or five disorders when those four or five disorders, like the shared symptoms between them or the combination of all the symptoms actually fits another thing more specifically and more properly. So being able to specify, you know, the this person's addictive behavior is down to video games in a way that is much easier for any clinician who is following me, you know, who sees this person after me is helpful because I can write notes in their chart all day long. But honestly, most of the time, you know, unless you're paying big bucks to go to some really expensive, nice, first-rate facility, the the turnover rate for clinicians and the amount of people that just come through any of these organizations on any given day is massive. And if a, a professional takes more than five minutes to pay time to your chart for, you know, anything other than, like, the big things, then they're doing you know, they're going above and beyond what they're able to do at their job most of the time. So having this specific diagnosis to be able to put in the list of diagnoses means that someone who only has five minutes to go over your chart is going to be able to see, okay, they've got this and this, and it's, you know, this is a symptom of their overall, whatever their other disorder would be. So having these specifiers, being able to basically put them in big, bold letters on the chart is really helpful. Um, and, you know, it sucks that that's the type of environment that we wind up in a lot of times with this. But the population who is most likely to experience gaming addiction um, or issues with video games in general is almost certainly going to be uh, in the middle to lower middle class, even like uh, people at or below the poverty line. Because video games, video games can be an expensive hobby. Uh, but to get into it at the bare minimum is fairly inexpensive and a group of people can go in together and purchase and share this thing and video games will, uh, and the hardware that they're, they played on last for quite some time. Well, I was thinking even mobile gaming. Yeah. And mobile gaming. Um, I mean, everybody's got a smartphone nowadays, you know, even people that you would assume like are too poor to have one, have one because that's just become a part of everyday life. Um, so, you know, like I, I see uh, quite a few homeless people now and they almost always have a smartphone um, just because they're they're everywhere. They're cheap, um, you know, just because they're all over the place, you know, um, and these people play games on them. So pretty much everyone has access to games and it's nice to have this diagnosis as a way to, uh, again, add like a quick specifier to their chart. You know, they have uh, an issue with gaming, a gaming addiction, um, and it would be a subset more than likely to another disorder 
but that's just some extra information that whoever the next person is that sees their chart is going to be able to put together as part of their own diagnostic formulation and treatment plan. So I think it's a good thing overall. And I don't have anything to add to that. Indeed. The <laughs> the West Virginia was your topic and this was my topic. So do you have any questions or anything uh, like that? I really, it says a uh, harder hazardous gaming. Is that a different entry on this or is this going for two entries? Uh, it was a very clear, at least this one article. Um, uh, or is that uh, their overall uh, uh, umbrella and they're going to uh, refine it in the four years before this uh, uh, revision comes out? My guess is that that's their overall sort of general umbrella and they're going to whittle it down or refine it to a more specific, uh, not necessarily diagnosis, but a more specific wording. With yeah, it. I, 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 you got to love the quote from uh, the ESA from this. The electronic, or the Entertainment Software Association said the move recklessly trivializes real mental health issues like depression and social anxiety disorder. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're a little bit concerned about that because they, it may be you know, linked to other gaming things that we've talked about that's addictive. Indeed, yeah. Certain boxes of loot uh, you mean and loop, transactions uh, box of micro. Yeah, loot box coin. So, yeah, when I when I read this or read that quote from them, I, I did like just kind of sigh and hang my head for a second. Like, well, of course. Well, you well, like, well, like we said, the gaming industry are, are not your friends. So, yeah, I mean. It's it's so weird that the uh, the biggest uh, entertainment industry is so uh, anti-consumer at times, adversarial. Yeah, both both of those things. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it it's their air quotes job to you know manage the I guess the PR of mm-hmm. gaming the gaming industry in general. Well, they're not doing a very good job at it. <laughs> um, I kicked something under my desk, and something's turned off, but my computer obviously didn't turn off, so well, I just, like, well, pushed it back Well, can you hear place. me for a moment? I'm assuming that it did uh, do something. Yeah. Uh, let's but, see. Uh, we were talking about how the game industry is not your friend and uh, is uh, kind of a jerk to the uh, their... Uh, consumers yeah yeah they suck (laughs) they suck big dicks big nasty dicks but no i was what i was saying was that um you know it's their job to manage essentially pr of the gaming industry but it just like it makes me a little bit disgusted like when they try and trivialize issues you know any aspect of, of of mental health, any aspect of potential addiction or um, just any sort of negative behavior by anything is important. And video games can contribute to that just like anything else when they're used as a crutch or as a shield or to escape from reality. So, And especially since uh, mental health uh, and, uh, well, your profession in general is not exactly looked upon uh, with a lot of praise in this country. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, oh, you're going to a therapist? What, are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah, I get that so much from people. Like, they'll come in and start telling me about something. It's like, I'm not crazy. It's like, no, you're not crazy. You're right. This is very common. Many people suffer from depression or anxiety or whatever. You know, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help. Out loud. Now, if you have a trouble well on your shoulder. There's very little judging that goes on. But every once in a while, yes, there is some judging. Uh, dear listener, there was a lady who came into <laughs> our office the other day. And she had a, a chihuahua riding on her shoulder like a parrot. And she knew the letter of the law about service animals. And she went off on the uh, on my office manager when she went over to question her about why she had a chihuahua on her shoulder. And uh, my office manager just was like, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not going to fight this. If anything happens to your dog while you're at our office, we're not responsible. Because your dog is riding on your shoulder... Like a parrot. Well, obviously, uh, since she knows the letter of the law, there's been some issues. Indeed. I mean, mean, that's not something that you go into lightly. No. But it was, yes, I did judge this lady a bit. I will admit, I had a human moment where I judged someone as crazy because they had a, a chihuahua riding on their shoulder like a parrot. And carrying a blind person's stick. She was, but she very clearly could see. But, yeah, she was, like, looking at her phone and doing stuff the whole time. But then when she would walk, she would use the, whatever they're called, the blind person stick to, like, tap the floor in front of her. It was weird. You so wanted that case, didn't you? (laughs) It would have been interesting, but I suspect it would have been very difficult (laughs) <laughs> she she was very argumentative and combative and defensive. So that would not have been a fun case for long. I would have definitely asked a bunch of questions about the <laughs> Chihuahua parrot. <laughs> I'm just uh, assuming that she steam cleans it now. Yeah. Because you said she was a hypochondriac, which I realize is not a germaphobe, but there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah. Yeah, she was a hypochondriac. She had... It, she had many things wrong with her, according to her. Many, many things. Some of the things that were wrong with her aren't real things. Oh, really? Like like a concrete allergy. What? Yeah. Yeah, she said she had a concrete allergy. That's not a thing. Um, question. Answer. How the fuck does she, uh live in society if she has a concrete allergy? I'm not sure. I I have no clue. Does she live out in the woods or something? Because there's concrete all over the fucking place. No. She lives somewhere in in Chattanooga. Like, I've actually seen this lady walking around on the street a couple of times. With the Chihuahua? Yeah, with the Chihuahua. I didn't realize what it was as I was driving past, but, you know, it was it's the right shape and size to be the Chihuahua. And I suspect I'll see her again. So she lives somewhere nearby the clinic. So, so maybe, yeah. your, uh, maybe your clinic's in some sort of weird place where they banned uh, uh, concrete? I Then I don't know what that stuff is that I walk on every day from the, the car lot to the clinic. But it, it looks like concrete. It feels like concrete. Now, does it taste like concrete? I would not taste that for 
Well, no, I would. I was going to say I wouldn't taste that for a million dollars, but I would lick that concrete all the way from my car door to the door to the clinic for a million dollars. You bet your ass I'd do it. <laughs> but I wouldn't do it for like a hundred dollars. Well, to get it back to West Virginia, the, uh, there's uh, near the Green Bank ter- uh, Telescope, there's also a little uh, commune of crazy people who are allergic to Wi-Fi. And, nice. uh, and you hear about that every so often. Where, uh, because of uh, the sensitivity of the telescopes. So I imagine it's, you know, a, a her version of Wi-Fi allergy. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, probably... Uh, or she just has a, a bad case of nocebo. <laughs> yeah. Which is the evil twin of placebo. Yep, it's never a dull moment. Something, there are, are multiple interesting things that happen every week at my clinic. Every week. Many of them I can't share for confidentiality reasons. Yeah, but but, uh, but every so often you have a chihuahua lady. Yeah, yeah. That, that has to be shared with the world. I took a picture. If anybody's interested, I will I will share the picture. Maybe on our Discord server. Uh, maybe blur out her face if you're that worried about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what's next? Community corner? Uh, yeah, community yes, corner. it is. Uh, and letter first. Indeed. We have a rather lengthy letter from Ghost Shark. So this one's from a couple of weeks ago. He sent it to us after we recorded the last normal episode. And then we had the bonus episode, and then we had E3. So this is a, a two or three weeks old, but better uh, late than yeah, never, right? Uh, we scraped the mold off of it. It's fine. Indeed. Indeed. Better late than never. Here's Go Shark. Greetings, everybody. Yeah, I'm selling that line, that intro from Kyle. Sorry. Um, anyway, this is Go Shark, and I am calling in not from the interstate, but from a parking lot in my car. Um, I figured since it's been a while, I'll send in a review for a game I've been wanting to talk about for a little while. And since Rage also hit me up about another one I've been playing recently, I'll go ahead and give you a twofer. So two reviews and one audio letter. Here we go. Uh, the first one's going to be Mafia. Mafia 3, to be precise. And I'll start off by by asking you this. Do you hate racists? Um... Do you wish that you could punch racists in the face without the threat of going to jail? Then if so, if you answered yes to both of those, then this game is for you. Alright, all seriousness, uh, Mafia 3 is a pretty good game now that it's had the chance to work out a bunch of the bugs and stuff from the initial release. Um, It is nowhere near the pile of crap that it was when it first came out. It's actually a pretty decent game. Uh, I mean bring up my notes here because now I'm about ready to go off the cuff and that's a bad idea. So it's very GTA-esque in its open world design um, if it's you know smaller than GTA. Uh, race does play a really huge issue in this game. Uh, in case anybody doesn't know, you do play as a young black man fresh out of Vietnam coming back to his town and everything goes haywire. And uh, you start a path of vengeance 
all the way up to the top of the of the mafia there to the guy who ordered the whole thing to begin with. Um, it's plays just like something out of an old B movie from you know the the seventies era of films and stuff. Just a good classic um, man on a mission kind of idea. So. There are still a few glitches to it. Um, mainly, I found a few physics bugs where uh, I ran down a set of stairs and a chair followed me down and was rolling nonstop in the door doorway, just down the from the uh, the stairs, um, and it kept doing it for a good thirty seconds while I watched it, and it was doing it as I was walking away as well. So. Uh, there's been a few issues of falling through. A f- I think I fell through a floor one time. Um, but uh, a few car- issues with cars. But uh, that being said, there have been pretty few and far between for my... I don't know, I think I have about 12 or 13 hours in it. Um, it's a fun game. It's probably not stream material for me, per se. But it's definitely something that I will get back into and finish... Uh, a note about this, the race, though, it, it does, like I said, it does play a big part in it. Um, for instance, the areas that you start out in, it is a predominantly black area, and anywhere in the city where you commit crimes, uh, depending on the severity of the crimes, you can get the police called on you, and depending on where you are, the response time gets quicker and quicker. So, in the beginning areas where, you know, nobody really cared for people in that area at that time, uh, crime was pretty much, you could do whatever you want, and if the police got called on you, you were definitely going to be able to get away in time. Uh, you could probably walk out of the response radius before the police showed up. Um, getting into the more affluent areas of town, yeah, you better, if you do something wrong, you better move quick because the police will be there before you have a chance to get in your car and go. So, uh, as a funny aside, dark humor, um, there is a shop that I have decided that every time I walk into it or go past it, I have to go in and punch the owner in the face because, uh, yeah, he was the first guy to really spout some very nasty racist comments towards Lincoln as I went in to just go to the bathroom and grab a med kit and leave again without bothering anybody. Um, but it was a segregated store, you know, had the sign, no blacks allowed. And, uh, he was spouting off a bunch and I finally decided I was just going to punch him in the face and lay him out. And it was so refreshing and for doing that, uh, that I just decided every time I was going to go by that store, I would stop punch him in the face, lay him out again, and keep on going. So, yeah, there's that. A um, little more focused random violence than than you would get in GTA. But uh, you, you don't feel as bad about it. So, um, I don't know. Not much else to say about Mafia. Uh, it, it is a good game now, finally. Um, it's just some... Uh, I won't say wholesome fun, because there's some pretty dark undertones to it um, in terms of the whole going on a quest for vengeance and, you know, nothing's getting in the guy's way and all this kind of stuff. But uh, you just got to have to 
play it or watch it to see what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, Mafia 3. Uh, four out of five something or others. It's been a while since I've done this. I'm, my review creds is going away. So anyway, um, next is going to be Frostpunk. Uh, that's the one that Rage had asked me about. So uh, it's a newer game that just came out. Anybody who doesn't know about it, it is a strategy game where it's everybody dies. Um, well, so far for me, it, that's what's happened. Uh, it's a very hard, frustrating game, and it's not really my uh, not really my wheelhouse of games. But there's something about this one that just kind of is different that really makes me want to keep playing it. Um, it is frustrating and hard, and the what makes it so hard is you are not just up against the clock uh, in terms of trying to find people out in the wilderness in time to help bring your population up so you can do more stuff, but you're also up against um, your population, their discontent, and their hope. Uh, as good things happen, the discontent goes down and the hope goes up, and vice versa, if bad things happen, the other, the other way goes around. And it's a lot harder to bring up hope and lower discontent than it is for them to go up and down, you know, opposite ways. Um, you're also up against the climate. Uh, every few days or so, the climate will go up and down. And I haven't survived long enough to see the, the true storm showing up. Um, but it definitely gets a lot colder than I have had. I've gotten down to minus 60 degrees Celsius. And everybody was getting sick and falling apart and quitting work and dying. Not necessarily in that order either. Um, so uh, I was watching somebody else that I, I follow on YouTube play the game. And in the major event, it gets down to under 100 degrees. And you have to survive that for several days. So, um, I guess, spoiler alert, oops. But uh, the, the, the whole point of the game is to try and get everybody to the point where they can they can manage their way through that. I haven't yet. Of course, I'm also... It's probably part of the reason why I'm horrible at all the other strategy games is I'm stuck with the mentality of one of each building type is enough. And that definitely does not play out in this game. Uh, the one thing that never really occurred to me is having multiple research facilities to research tech faster. Uh, mainly the technologies that make uh, harvesting resources more efficient and insulating buildings and raising temperature levels better. Which uh, I never got around to having by the time the, the mid-cold mid happens. And everybody starts dying. So there was no way I was going to survive the Great Frost. Uh, so that's that's one of the things. Um, another, th is, another thing that I really like about it is the aesthetics. It's two of my favorite things. One, winter, and two, steampunk. Um, throw them both together, and this is just a recipe for a game that's got me written all over it, even though it's not my style. Uh, or play style, I should say. Uh... But yeah, it's basically the another ice age comes and you have to try and weather it out in small little towns. Um, 
and you're governing the governing the ways that you uh, you you control the ways that you govern the people either by hope and religion or by order and fear and secret police type deal. So, um, yeah. Uh, let's see what else. The that uh, I'm looking at my notes now. Um, so let me think. Yeah, I already kind of mentioned that. There's there's just a lot going on. You're you're up against several different enemies at the same time. Whether it's your own people, the environment, um, your research, or your ability to gather resources and advance technology. Um, for instance, you can you can research the twenty four hour shift uh, edict and enforce a building to work for twenty four hours straight. You take a major hit to discontent, um, and if you do that so often, you run the risk of people just deciding that. No, they're not, not going to work for 24 hours. They're going to sandbag for the whole 24 hours. So you would end up being less productive if you just had them work a normal shift anyway. So um, the one other aspect that I really like about this is the, the rotary system, or the rotary placement. So everything is placed around the central generator. Uh, there's no grid or 90-degree uh, angle grid, let's put it that way. Everything comes out radially from the generator. Everything also has to be attached to the generator somehow by the, oh, not somehow, by roads. So I can't just build a sawmill out in the middle of nowhere for my people to grab logs from. They actually have to have a road connecting to it. Um, I think it's from what I could see, there's like steam pipes going through the road. You know, and everything has to be connected to the central generator so steam power can go to all the buildings or whatever. Anyway, um, but yeah, so it's this is an interesting concept I haven't really seen in any other games. Uh, it can lead to, uh, as long as everything is kind of this, the right, the same size, you can lead to very efficient designs of you know stacking buildings right next to each other, rate you know around in a in diameter or circumference. Um, and even so, if you do end up missing a few things here and there and have some gaps, you can. it's pretty easy to fill in gaps and try and push radially out uh, because the generator is what gives you the majority of your heat for your, building, you know, for your buildings to stay warm with. Um, you can later build steam hubs to kind of increase it later, you know, farther out away from the generator. And then for each of those things, you can increase their radiuses to increase the the distance that all of your people are covered with warmth um so yeah it's it's a fun game um i definitely was sinking several hours at a time not even realizing it just trying to get an extra day or two in to you know get another get another day's worth of tech or another 24 hours worth of coal stocked up for the for the generators and you know one thing leads to another, and eventually things just spiral downhill for me. I guess I just don't build fast enough to meet the amount of people coming in. So, I don't know. It's fun. I will definitely keep at it. Uh, I give it uh, four and a half icicles um, because it's a cool game. Ha! Ha! Okay, yeah, that was horrible. Um, on that note, I'm going to have to get out of here because uh, it's getting a little warm in the car. I need to crank on the AC. And I'm stiff because I'm trying not to move on my leather seats. 
And yes, first world issues. Anyway, I will talk to you guys later. I heard the. Can, uh, hello, can you hear me? Anyways, how about that Ghost Shark letter? Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, do we have any tweets? Uh, well, no, no, I do have. Uh, uh, since he did mention a couple of games, uh, I haven't played the third Mafia yet. I played a, a little bit of the first one, and I played through the second one. I do wonder if uh, Mafia 3 does more with its open world. I don't know. I have Mafia 3. I got it as one of the Steam, or not Steam, the Humble Monthly bundles. Uh huh. Um, but I haven't played it yet, so I don't know outside of just what I remember from like a couple of reviews I saw from it uh, last year after it released. So yeah, I can't really be much of assistance in talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Frostpunk, it does look very, very interesting. Frostpunk looks super cool, super interesting. It's, I, it's one of the ones that I'm considering buying during the Steam sale. Like, I, you know, it won't be discounted heavily because it just came out in April. But, I mean, even a, a 10 or 20% discount would probably be enough to push me over the edge on Frostpunk. Because I've heard pretty much... Nothing but good things. Only thing I've and heard I'm is also... that it doesn't have a lot of replay value, and it's a little bit on the shorter side. But it's more of a strategy game than a city builder. Yeah, actually, it's currently fifteen percent off right now, and that promotion is good for another day and a half. So does that line up with the Steam sale? No, it does not. Yeah, oh, well, a day and a half. Can... Okay. Uh, yeah. I thought you said day, but day and a half, yeah, it does bleed into the Steam sale, so who knows what that'll do. Yeah. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see, you know, it, if it doesn't, it, like if it goes off of sale when the Steam sale starts, mm-hmm. like that seems like it would be weird, but I mean, games have done it before, so, you know, if it goes off of sale or if the discount drops back down to say like 10% or something, I'll wait longer on it. But I am very interested in Frostpunk. Uh, was there anything else? I didn't have any other notes about uh, his letter. Uh, not really. He uh, wasn't able to come up with anything uh, for his rating scale on Mafia 3, and he missed the obvious. Four out of five punches to the face of a racist shop owner. <laughs> One out of two uh, concrete slippers. <laughs> uh, uh, now is the shop uh, owner allergic to the slippers oh because they're made out of concrete that's a good question <laughs> probably now do we include probably. the chihuahua uh, to be sleeping with the fishes yes definitely they're a team <laughs> parrot, parrot chihuahuas going down with, with the hypochondriac <laughs> oh, I hope she never hears this I doubt she will if if she does though, you're in so much chihuahua. trouble. <laughs> Hi, Chihuahua lady. You're you think she uh, made it this far without uh, sending a complaint? <laughs> if she heard yeah. this, yeah, if she heard this, she definitely sent a complaint. I don't I I don't think she listens to our podcast. <laughs> and thank God, all everyone in my <laughs> office staff, most of them are either old or they don't give a shit about video games. So I'm pretty safe from. From no one in my current office listening. Granted, there were a couple of people from my old office that did listen, and they were cool. So, yeah, you, you gotta send them to Wawa Lady now. A, a referral. 
I suspect I'll get a text message from one of them on, you know, this weekend. Like, what's this about a Chihuahua lady now? <laughs> or, or a Facebook message, one of the two. Yeah, I'll, if you want to know, I'll, I'll tell you the whole story. This specifically goes out to, to Amy or Angel, if the two of you are listening. Just just call me up or, you know, meet me for, like, coffee or something. I'll tell you all, the whole story in full detail about the lady. And we can get clinical. I could consider it a consultation, and then I could share confidential information. I'm not. I wouldn't do that. That is breaking the law. Anyone listening, I actually would not do that. I'm joking. Unless I actually needed to make a consultation. But that's different. Anyways, before I get myself in, in legal trouble, <laughs> uh, you mean more legal trouble? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop digging that hole. I already dug it really deep. Uh, well, speaking of uh, digging holes, Kyle was playing some real life uh, Stardew Valley. Uh, uh, I have like three weeks worth of tweets, and my file didn't I didn't save my tweets, so I'm having to read these off my tweet deck. So, yeah, uh, you uh, commented about. Uh, Xenonauts being uh, free for a limited time, which is long gone by now. Yep. Uh, then there was a long uh, uh, discussion between uh, you and Kyle with uh, my uh, awesome boss. Okay. Get these parts uh, to uh, uh, loading for working on Monday. Me. Uh, just anywhere or do you have uh, space for other parts? Uh, my boss. Anywhere, Kyle. We're just going to run these parts like uh, shit through a goose. <laughs> and then he uh, goes on uh, to uh, tag us eventually so uh let's see ghost shark uh pipes up uh went to the uh circus with the kids tonight and they played a tyler swift song and f- or, or my first thought was only if buff was around to enjoy this biff i mean biff stupid autocorrect <laughs> Which, to be fair, Buff is not wrong if you uh, watched where Biff actually got his name Biff. Yeah. Uh, Death of a Salesman, uh, for those who are wondering. Uh, Kyle uh, uh, also chimes in there. Buff Aldrin and Zul's trauma. That brings back some misspelled memories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Homer to your mole, I replied. (laughs) Not misspelled, but same idea. And Jim actually uh, piped up uh, just a little bit ago. I'm not sure if I even want to know. And he linked a article from IGN saying Steam now uh, adds options to see how much you spent on uh, your games, which has actually been there for a few weeks now. <laughs> but I guess the yeah, and it's been available for longer than that with the extended uh, or the Steam Enhance extension, and there are sites you can go to that would tell you as well. Mm-hmm. But it's it's baked in to default Steam now. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a little bit scattered brained uh, tweets just because I forgot to save the file. But if you wish to contribute to the next file, you can do so. VGL Podcast on Twitter or just email us VGLpodcast at gmail.com like Ghosty Shark did. Indeed. So, so Discovery Queue. Indeed. It's been a while since we've done a Discovery Queue. I'm worried 
By the way, go for the theme song. I'm worried that some of those hundreds of games I've taken <laughs> off are going to wind back up in my discovery queue. Which will be hilarious, by the way. And I've got something immediately, by the way. I've been sitting on my discovery queue for the last uh, about 15, 20 minutes on the first entry. Because it was actually it's a, a curiosity. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, dragging uh, things around it. Actually... Dr- <laughs> minimized everything on my computer just now. Uh, allow me to say fuck Windows and how they handle uh, dual monitors because it's fucking irritating at times. Indeed. Okay. Uh, sorry, I have to get everything back up and uh, situated properly. Ah, there's the discovery queue. I got Bus Simulator 18 uh, as my first item. And th- it falls in that kind of line of interesting driving game uh, just kind of chill out relax it's rated as mixed on steam uh, for some performance issues so you know that's a definite problem but uh, the, uh, certain simulators uh, especially driving simulators they're kind of uh, just a chillax game and uh, there's a definite subset of the community that enjoys them uh, including myself actually i have more than a few hours in both European and now American truck simulator. Thanks once again, Jim. And this looks like it's along the same lines. Granted, I imagine because you're driving a set path instead of hauling cargo, it's probably less interesting to me. Uh, but it is, uh, it's being suggested to me because Euro truck and spin tires. <laughs> Which that's actually something that we didn't talk about now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, we forgot to talk about Spin Tires Mudrunner. <laughs> Next week. Okay. Next week. Next week, yeah. <laughs> I just realized, we did talk about Spin Tires. Uh, but graphically, it doesn't look bad. I mean, it looks about on par with simulator games. Hey, I got Moonlighter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to skip past that. I'm not going to put it on my list. So I have had eight games that I recognize as previously being on my wish list before. <laughs> So I'm just, like, quietly moving on past those. <laughs> well, I got a second game. Dark Souls Remastered. Uh, do I have to say anything more about that? <laughs> yeah, I also had uh, Dark Souls Remastered, but I also just passed it by. Well, there's a lot of people pissed about it being a paid uh, version, considering, you know, other remasters are either very cheap or, uh, yeah. Are given away for free, so I can definitely see why people are pissed. I mean, if you own the original Dark Souls, yeah, it's fifty percent it. off. It's a fifty percent off. Yeah, but discount, it's, yeah, but, but it's still it's twenty permanent. bucks. Yeah, so I imagine if it if they handle it like they did, or like the developers of Spin Tires did, uh, then when it goes on sale, it'll be even cheaper. Yeah. So, uh, yo, I'll be able to eventually pick it up for uh, pretty cheap. It's just... Uh-oh. I heard a ooh. Yeah, go ahead. Finish your uh, thought. Uh, uh, just, uh, well, that was pretty much it. Yo, I'll eventually be able to pick up for cheap, and I probably will, but not in a huge rush for it. So, next. Next. Lego The Incredible. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen that pop up on the actual store, sp- uh, store page, but not... Uh, um, in my discovery queue yet. It'll probably be yeah, I mean, in, it's, uh, in the upcoming. It's it's a Lego game that's The Incredibles, and it yeah. looks like it's covering both movies, 
and this released in sync with The Incredibles 2, which I has been doing really well at the block at the. Yeah, I'm not sure about The in Incredibles theaters. 2. It, uh, I absolutely love the first one. It just seems yeah. like they went with the more boring uh, possible storyline. I was more interested in them working as a team than uh, you know stay at home dad. I've heard really good things about it so far. Um, Katie and I are going to go see it with King at some point in the next week or two. So I'll be able to report back to you All right. uh, how good the movie is. But yeah, I mean, I love the the Lego games. I own several to, uh, to play with my kid once he gets old enough to really play them. And he's about the right age, you know, got enough motor skills and stuff down to be able to do it. So uh, I think... We might be buying this, and after we go see the movie, come home and start playing the Lego Incredibles. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, which the Lego games are actually really good. It's just, yeah, you know, they're very easy, so they're aimed towards, uh, uh, yeah, more just chillax once again, but also uh, children, which is not a, you know, downside. It's just yeah. not something I wanted to dive into. The Lego games are really easy to beat, but to complete them, some of those challenges and the, the more difficult things to acquire in the game, like the hidden stuff, can be pretty difficult to get to. Um, but yeah, beating the games themselves and unlocking pretty much everything is really easy, because they are aimed at at younger children for the most part, so... Yeah. Uh, so I got the next version of Insurgency, uh, Insurgency Standstorm, which is just the next version of uh, the multiplayer shooter, uh, which is actually a pretty hardcore uh, uh, little experience from what I could recall. I didn't play much of it because it, you know, I was getting my ass handed to me. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, if you enjoyed the first game, then there you go. It's releasing in September for, well, it has a pre-release uh, sale on it for 20, or it, it's probably actually a sale for people that own the first one, uh, 20% off. So 24 bucks. That's actually not bad for a multiplayer focused shooter these days. Uh, that's not yeah. full free to play. Insurgency yeah, I- had a pretty good uh, run at it, uh, actually. It was also a pretty decent game. It wasn't like mill sim, but it had some more realistic elements. Yeah. Like you didn't throw away your ammo if you reloaded. Like you would keep a half-filled magazine, and then yeah, later a, on, yeah, it was you sort would of have a, that. A, a halfway in between the uh, the two. Yeah, and I, if I recall correctly, they gave away certainty several times for free to bo- boister its uh, player base. So I imagine that uh, that's probably going to carry over quite a bit to the next version that player base. Yeah. I'm not sure what the player base for Insurgency is right now. I can go check, though. Uh, Steam charts. Uh, 2100 right now with a peak of just under 3K. That's actually not bad for uh, an indie title. Or, well, smaller game, I should say, because technically it's not indie, but still. Yeah. Uh, with an all-time peak of 15,000 probably during one of the free weekends. Yeah. So, yeah, it has a healthy enough player base. I imagine it'll carry over to the second version. But, yeah, not a bad little military sim light. How about we call it that? Yeah. So, I got an interesting looking game. Uh, Find and Destroy Tank Strategy. This is a free-to-play multiplayer turn-based tank strategy game it says it has MOBA elements but I don't see what those are but it's simultaneous turns 
Um, this is a game that's on mobile devices and PC, and it says it's got cross cross platform multiplayer. So, um, it, it looks neat. It looks neat. Um, I'm all about strategy games, and I've never seen anything quite like this before. Um, it's free to play, so I, I might I might check this out. It's sort of uh, uh, not quite XCOM, but that sort of idea of it. Yeah. So as long as it's not like massive pay to win bullshit. Yeah. Because I mean, you can see the packs right there, uh, all the way up to sixty bucks for different things. But yeah, looks neat. So I got Hitman Two. Which, I don't think there has to be a lot said about Hitman 2. It looks like they're doing a, yeah, trying to flesh out the game a bit more. They've put in a lot more uh, NPCs in the game. Which will be interesting to see how they balance it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be episodic this time, right? Um, I didn't hear anything about it, so I'm assuming not. I haven't heard not. anything about it being episodic or not, so... But it's also annoying that they've reset the numbering again. Because the uh, reboot last time that was the episodic game uh, reboot uh, reboot the numbering system. So that's irritating to try to find Hitman 2 coverage. Uh, but it's I've never played that much of the Hitman games. I know that they've done a very... A change of focus with the Hitman series once they went to uh, the more modern Hitmans, uh, not counting the previous uh, episodic one, where it was more of a stealth action game than an assassination game, and a lot more focus on, uh, or I should say, less focus on the sandboxy elements. So it'll be interesting to see if they try to return to form with that. Uh, it does look like they are continuing the limited time one uh, attempt missions, which honestly feels like it's missing kind of the point of Hitman, where it was, you know, uh, kind of master a map and find out all the little secrets and stuff. Yeah. Uh, from everything that I've heard, that seems to be the big focus of it. And, you know, of course, there's uh, early access, uh, uh, three versions, uh, up to $100 for this, but, yeah. Uh, that's almost industry standard now, as much as I fucking hate it. Yeah. And looks like uh, looks like they're doing traditional DLC for it, based on the expansion packs or the different tiers. But hey, at least there's only three tiers and not five like some other games are doing now. Wasn't it seven that the new Assassin's Creed yeah. game had seven tiers? With the there ultimate like being three... in the middle. Yeah, the ultimate was right in the middle. Uh, good times. Actually, not. Uh, anything for you? Uh, nope. I'm almost done with my second queue. After, uh, uh, I'm still on my first. Well, I had to start a second one because I had like nine games that were all from my wish list that I had unlisted or marked as you know not marked as not interested, just remove them from my wish list. Uh, uh, that looked interesting for a moment, then I realized it was a uh, co-op survival game. No. Hey, I just mm, got uh, Lego The this? Incredibles. <laughs> nice. I knew it would be here somewhere. So here's one that that tickles my fancy. 
that released early access in late March called Gaia Beyond. Why does that sound I'm familiar? Getting a link right now. There's the link. Uh, 2D top-down uh, action RPG, but space sci-fi with mining and crafting and exploration. Similar like to games like you that. played, Rebel Galaxy. I bet you hope not, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's marked as similar to No Man's Sky and Elite Dangerous for me. So, yeah. I mean, it, there's really not much more to say about it otherwise. Like, But it looks like the type of game that I like to play, and it might work well on my laptop. Yeah, my, I mean, it looks like the rest of my discovery well queue was either survival games or games that you uh, already talked about or games that I wasn't interested in. So I'm done. Yep, the Gaia was the last game in my discovery queue. So I, too, am done. So I got three. I mean, technically, I had two queues, but really it was only like one. I'm going to start marking all of the games I removed from my wish list as not interested. Hey, we heard that yeah, you uh, are no longer wishing for this game. Do you wish for this game? <laughs> yeah, you just removed this game from your wish list. We, we saw are that, you sure? Uh, we saw that you were at the store page. Do you, are you sure you don't want this? Oh, Steam. And uh, that, that's part of the reason why opening up Steam Direct and kind of... Uh, defending it uh, has me kind of at pause because their algorithms kind of suck. <laughs> Indeed, kind of. Just you know, just just, just, just enough to bit. be irritating, but still fun. A little bit. Speaking of irritating and funny, this is the part of the show where you go first. Indeed. So if you want to find my content on the YouTube's, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on the YouTube's. We haven't discussed the upload schedule for well, our new series. Yeah, is we, this going to be one where we get all the way through since there's a, a going to be a lot less episodes? Uh, I'm going to get at least a couple through. more uh, before we uh, really uh, sit down and figure this out. So it'll be a week okay. or two. Okay. Well, then in a week or two, unless you're listening to this in the far future. Uh, and hello, future person. Indeed. The thing that's upcoming for us is Spin Tires Mud Runners. You'll see that on my YouTube channel in the next couple of weeks. Aside from that, it's just the regular podcasting uploads uh, and me uploading stuff to Twitch, which if you want to go over to Twitch, twitch.tv slash jarthur4707, where I use the Twitch premiere system to run live versions of the shows where the community can interact. Um, Do they interact? Sometimes. There's comments on some of them sometimes, which is nice. Uh, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot to start the E3 episode before we started recording. So technically we're not live now, but obviously if you're listening to this on Twitch, we're live now. And also the E3 show was live at one point. You know, the internet and time. It's a concept, right? Uh, what, what is Wibbly wobbly Tommy Wimey. Indeed. But you know, it'll, it'll be there at some point. Or maybe it's there now. Who knows? Maybe you're listening to this on Twitch right now. In which case, hello person on Twitch. Um, but anyways, yes, you can find things there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. I post, or I tweet about all kinds of random things. Today, I tweeted about, uh, discovering that the Steam wishlist numbering system goes to 1,301. And when it goes past that, everything is listed as being in place zero. I'm more shocked that it has a three in the number. 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. Valve is anti three. Um, maybe it like skips no because it's thirteen one. Maybe it skips all of the threes prior to that, and they just weren't expecting someone to have that many games in their wish list. And so I kind of broke the system. No, what breaks the system is whenever they have to bail you about uh, deals on your wish list. You're the yeah. reason why the deal uh, emails are delayed by six to 12 hours. Yeah, those mails, those emails I get are useless. Because <laughs> it'll be like, you have 14 items on your wish list on sale. And I'm like, that's great. Which 14? Uh, and well, the, like, I well, know the, I can go no, check the, the alert, email. The, the alerts are useless. The email is actually useful. Yeah, they're both useless for me. Oh, see, I never got it where it's just a number. Yeah, I either get just an email that says, an item on your wish list is on sale. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> you might as well have just said the sky is fucking blue. Well, the wish list can be sorted um, by discount. It can. But usually when I sort the wish list by discount, there are three dozen items every week on sale. At least. I give it a couple of days. Um, <laughs> or I'll get an email that says you have fourteen items on your wish list on sale, or whatever the number is, and I'm like, "That's great." Which which games? I, I love that. And they then gave sometimes, that <laughs> sometimes when you get, I get an email that will say these games are on sale, and I'll actually list the games. Most of the time, I'm going, "I don't know what those games are. I assume they're on my wish list, but I don't know what they are." <laughs> uh, to be fair, I've had that with my library. I was, uh, I in the final moments of the cho- of the choosing and there's been a few times that what the fuck is this yeah yeah so first world problems right um but anyways yeah so i i posted that tweet today and i posted a tweet about how uh i'm now the official spider killer around the office i killed a spider yesterday and then the the lady who had like who saw me kill the spider had me come to her office today to kill a spider that was in her office. And then her boss, because she was a case manager. So her boss, the the case manager director, then called me later. Like, she called me on the inner office phone network, and she was like, are you busy? I'm like, no. Why are you calling me, Tabitha? Like, I mean, it's it's nice to talk to you, but what, what do you need? And she's like, there's a spider in my office. Can you come kill it? I was like, sure, I guess I'll come kill a spider for you. Question. Does this involve yes. hazard pay? I, I said in the tweet that I needed to ask for a raise. I asked uh, the office manager today. I was like, hey, Tony, so uh, everybody's having me kill spiders around the office. Can I get, like, a raise or a bonus for that? And she laughed, and she said, no, not not yet. You'll have to you'll have to fill out a punch card before or at least get a donut. bonus for killing spiders. Uh, we get free food at the office all the time from the drug reps, so that wouldn't that wouldn't work. Yeah, but we see, had, the food's had, drugs, so. We had free office breakfast today. There's bacon and eggs and fruit and granola bars and toast. Yeah, but we know that you didn't touch the granola bars. Waffles. I got a couple of granola bars to have for snacks for later, but I didn't touch them for breakfast. I had bacon and eggs and toast and I had some grapes. I like grapes for pretty much any time. But I digress. If you want to be my friend You digress? No. My my Steam username is jarthur4707, and I accept all friend requests uh, from the lovely people on Steam who are listeners of the podcast. And feel free to chat up, chat me up anytime. 
And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Chihuahua. <laughs> Chihuahua. Chihuahua. I mean, there was Chihuahua. only one possible password this week, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you had to do it. You just had to. I mean, that's contractual oblig- obligation there, right? Pretty much. Uh, so for my content, I'm slowly, uh, getting back in the swing of things. RimWorld only missed one episode in the midst of everything, and that was mostly due to the E3 content, because my computer was just tied up for so long, uh, churning out, uh, E3 episodes, because I did both the main episode and I also did the individual conferences. You know, to cast a wider net. And I did get a few hits on those. Okay, I admit a few of them were just spam bots. Which does make me wonder just how the fuck the spam bots find, uh, find me and not actual viewers. It's the game. They know. <sighs> ah, damn. Uh, they need to get off my fucking lawn. Uh, but... Uh, I'm in the final uh, revisions of the choosing. I'm just on uh, my playtesting i'm gonna do that this week and start recording next week so we're looking at probably late next week or week after before that's uh, up and running uh getting spin tires uh, of a couple back episodes for whenever things happen to the one of us that doesn't involve uh flipping down a hill uh, hopefully and uh the sunday sampler almost missed uh, also missed uh this past week which uh, it's going to be a little sporadic in the next few weeks just because of limited releases and I don't really have anything planned for it. My original plan of pre-recording uh, some stuff to have in backlog, uh, it just it wasn't turning out all that well and I wanted at least a semblance of quality, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, a facade <laughs> <laughs> of uh, actual quality content. And it just, it wasn't uh, coming out how I wanted it. So I scrapped it for the time being. So uh, it really depends on what I get and what I feel like going back to try. I did try a couple other games, but they just, uh, out of the backlog, and they just were not recording right, or uh, was it clicking for me? And it, I didn't play enough of them to really be able to talk about them here. So they'll be lost in the mists of Tom. Or just in the absolute mess of my Steam library. Uh, but you can find me over on the YouTubes, Gaming with Caffeine Rage, with that content, or lack thereof for the time being. Or just see me tweet occasionally, Gaming with CR on the Twitter. And as I page back, because, like I said, everything minimized on me earlier. <laughs> it's not a good sign whenever I have, I see two desktops. That's bad. It's even worse whenever there's a, a blue screen of death because I see two of them. <laughs> uh, nice. But once again, you could reach us, VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or just tweet them to us at VGLpodcast. Our Patreon, patreon.com slash VGLpodcast has helped pay for our Podbean account, VGLpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts our RSS feed as well as the show notes. So if you wish to skip all the boring parts, well, you skip right to the end, don't you? Nah, we're not that boring. <laughs> oh, but you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever Jared shoved us. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube or Twitch, 
and want to get the RSS feed with the MP3 since it is just a static image. Unless you're putting something on these. Nah, just a static image. Okay. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our discovery key music is doobly doo, both by Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work at incomputech.com, and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, Buh bye now. Uh, see you next time. Buh bye So how many chihuahuas do you think that lady's gone through in her lifetime? Because you know that's not the first chihuahua. Yeah, definitely more than one. Um, I don't remember how old she was. I checked. Like, I checked her chart just to find out what happened with the chihuahua, but I don't remember how old she was. <laughs> uh, what, you're not going to saw her and have to like, count the ranks? She, <laughs> she was, like, in her 30s, like, early 30s. So at a rate of... Yeah, let's yeah, what's con- the attrition rate of a, of a chihuahua on a shoulder? Let's be conservative and say at a rate of two chihuahuas per year, she's got, let's say, a 10-year history. Uh, a, I mean, that's 20 uh, chihuahuas uh, right there. Uh, and, it, uh, and uh, well, if, if the train is leaving St. Louis at 55 miles per hour. <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh. Yeah. She just seems a little insane. Just a little. Just a little. All right. Uh, but uh, one other question, though, before we wrap up. Uh-huh. How do you train a chihuahua to stay on your shoulder? Fuck if I know. I I, I, mean, I, think, I mean, is it just paralyzed by fear? I think she... Because- I mean, he looked terrified, but chihuahuas kind of always look terrified, so I don't know <laughs> if that was his real emotion or not. Uh, but, I mean, she, like, she didn't have a harness... Or any kind of safety straps or anything. He was just sitting there. So I assume that she gets them as babies and just puts them on her shoulder. And it's like, all right, you stay here. And if you fall, you die. And I'll get the next one. (laughs) I'm I'm just imagining her her apartment is just this box of chihuahuas in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) All looks exactly the same. (laughs) Uh, Just uh, every, like, few months she gets another black one. And adds it to the box, so they're constantly uh, that uh, overall same size and age when uh, she has an incident. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, fun times. All right. Well, not for us. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe for us, but not for not for not not for the Chihuahua. <laughs> Probably not. Alrighty. Bye.